Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. But let's begin this morning with the one-year anniversary of the deadly white supremacist protest in Charlottesville and the death of Heather Heyer. Demonstrations in Charlottesville during the day on Saturday were peaceful, but got out of hand last night as leftist Antifa protesters lashed out at the media and the police. Today, a large rally is planned in Washington, D.C., with a big police presence to meet them. NBC's Garrett Haight is there for us. Garrett, good morning. Hey, good morning, Willie. Yeah, D.C. police will be flooding this area later today, trying to keep separate groups of white nationalists and counter-protesters, even as they converge on this small park later tonight. Overnight, tense moments in the streets of Charlottesville, Virginia. Far-left protesters heckling the media and chanting anti-police slogans. As the city rolled out a heavy police presence on the eve of its darkest day. Oh, I look, I think we are in... Uh a pretty divided place today. I mean, I think we are probably more racially polarized today than we were a year ago. And as for the president, since Charlottesville, think about the biggest fight he's picked since Charlottesville. The anthem protesters yep. with the NFL and African-American players kneeling there. Uh, it's it, So I don't think if the president has, quote, learned anything, I think in his mind he has seen that this is an effective political strategy to keep his base, his base. But I could tell you pretty much every other Republican who has to be on a ballot in 2018 believes this is, that this is at the core of the Republican Party's suburban voter problem, hmm. right? That it is the president's um, continuation of using, um, to be generous, dog whistles. Uh, others say, um, actually, they're not silent. You can hear the whistles pretty loudly. Here's a closing argument. Two wrongs and what is right. It's been one year since Heather Heyer killed for standing up to hate, and our thoughts still go to her family. We know what happened racial tensions nationwide after that, and this weekend was billed as round two, Unite the Right. The organizers planned a rally in Washington, D.C. this time, but the turnout of white supremacists was thankfully pathetic, which is why I didn't have to go there and cover it. Only a couple of dozen showed up. Proof they lost membership after being exposed again last year as a bunch of hateful losers? No. They're still in force online, but they didn't have the guts to show up, and that's good. Counter-protesters did. There were a good number of them. The vast majority were peaceful. Peppered in the crowd were members of Antifa, or anti-fascists. They covered their faces, confronted police, and berated journalists. And that was wrong. Now, you've been here. There's a lot of whataboutism and spin going on, and it's kind of sickening to me. So let's all agree on some common understandings. A protester uses their voice. Songs, slang, slurs, there's a huge range, but it is talk. When you use your hands in a violent way, you are a rioter. And unless you're justified in defending yourself and you hit someone, you're a thug, you're a criminal. You attack us, you slap the media, you're in the wrong, period. 
But I argue to you tonight, all punches are not equal. Morally, in the eyes of the law, yes. But in the eyes of good and evil, here's the argument. If you're a punk who comes to trouble in a mask and hurt people, you're not about any virtuous cause. You're just somebody who's going to be held to the standard of doing something wrong. But when someone comes to call out bigots and it gets hot, even physical, are they equally wrong as the bigot they are fighting? I argue no. Fighting against hate matters. Now, how you matters, too. There's no question about that. But drawing a moral equivalency, but those espousing hate and those fighting it, because they both resort to violence, emboldens hate, legitimizes hate belief, and elevates what should be stamped out. And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It's the 14th of August, year of our Lord 2018. And as you can tell, Antifa's back again. Before I preface or go into this, let me preface. 20 people showed up to unite the right. Yes, they're white supremacists. Yes, there's, they're wrong. But in one year, what was it, three, four hundred people with tiki torches down to 20. You'll never notice that with the media coverage because this is good for them and their party, the Democrats. So they push it like it's a big thing. Was it a big thing? By the end of this, Babylon B even says it's not a big thing, but the media made a big thing. What turned out to be the big thing was once again Antifa. In that soundbite, you heard people dispelling it. NBC, we're going to have a quiz, quiz Cuomo, a quiz Cuomo soundtrack where he justifies it. But you also heard an NBC reporter get attacked. And we'll hear Benny go around and literally talk to these people who threaten to kill the President of the United States. These are a bunch of punk kids. They are the fascist. But you'll never know that because as we start off, NBC ignores own reporter and crew assaulted by Antifa in Charlottesville. Next morning, NBC Sunday Today ignored the attack and suggested the media was simple heck, simple, simply heckled by the assaulters. On Twitter, Perry was documenting the protesters as they marched to the streets of College Town when they started to get very aggressive with the media and trying to block their camera shots. Yeah, we're getting a lot of this. Protesters trying to grab our camera responded to one Twitter commenter telling him to fuck off, national media vulture. Things got super heated when one Antifa protester yelled, fuck you, snitch, a news bitch, fuck you, and tried to either pull the camera or knock it out of his hand. Despite the video evidence on the ground from their own reporter, NBC went to Garrett Hike, who was at the White House in anticipation of the violence there as another white supremacist rally was set to be held. Overnight, the tense moments in the streets of Charlottesville, Virginia, far-left protesters heckled the media and chanting anti-police slogans. He suggested the top of the report. They actually used footage Perry and his crew shot, but didn't show anything from their attack. The assault on NBC reporter came almost a year since their political director, Chuck Todd, used his MSDNC program to promote and then double down and let him come back again. But you weren't here, Todd, say anything 
about it. Stephen Miller, journalists who have been warning about have been warning about actual attacks on members of the media for weeks aren't retweeting. They aren't quoting tweet. They are silent. They have talked for months about how what Trump is saying is going to bring violence on reporters. Then their side does it and they ignore it. Let that sit for a second and tell me the objective. The Hill, police in riot gear show up to peaceful Charlottesville anti-white supremacist protest. Yeah, right. Maybe they missed reports about all the switchblades and brass knuckles. From the Hill, anti-racist protesters staging nonviolent demonstration in Charlottesville. Saturday said they were aggravated and perplexed by the heightened police presence that involved dozens of law enforcement officers in riot gear. We'll play a soundbite in a bit. Well, I think you just heard it. Fuck you. Yeah, they're peaceful. The nearly 200 protesters were gathered to march against white supremacists almost one year after a white nationalist rally in Charlottesville turned violent, resulting in the death of Heather Heyer. Video from the march showed police in neon riot gear flanking peaceful protesters on all sides as they marched the street. They weren't peaceful. Dijon Hoggard, a woman with Antifa, was just arrested by Virginia State Police for spitting on someone in the crowd. Then there's this, the the pushback, because the left doesn't want this to get out. This time we bring you a thread from Malcolm Harris, we've never heard of him either, who apparently wrote a book about making millennials. Don't look at us that way, we we didn't write the book. Harris seems to think that Antifa literally physically attacks cops is not violence, but symbolic speech. An excerpt from a real news media but a few left-wing Antifa, short for anti-fascist, counter-protesters did engage in violence, throwing eggs and water bottles and shooting fireworks at police officers and other journalists who were covering the demonstration. Malcolm Harris, this is not violence. This is symbolic speech. Symbolic, just like burning the flag. Symbolic speech. They're big on that. Some of you went back. Cops will rough you up just for being near them. Don't tell us that throwing a water ball at a riot squad is violence. You sound ridiculous. Then, it's rare that this editor writes about two blue check men who have been blocked, but lo and behold, both Patrick and Philip must have gotten their britches all bunched up somewhere along the line. This is how the left normalizes violence. The left says all Trump supporters are Nazis, and the next breath they say it's okay to punch Nazis. This is from Stealthy Geek himself, Patrick Tomlinson. Yep, if you support ripping immigrant children away from their asylum-seeking parents and putting them in old Walmarts converted to concentration camps where they're sexually assaulted and even die in neglect, yes, you're a Nazi, and there are consequences for being a Nazi. Everyone always has the right to punch Nazis. Philip Reins, a... Hillary supporter. There are people who say it's bad to punch Nazis, aside from Nazis who have self-interest. The Aborus responds back to him. A quick glance at your timeline shows you love of fascism and that you and I disagree on fundamental issues, mainly freedom from oppression. Why don't you be a big man and come punch me? Momo, me, define Nazi Phillips. Anyone who supports a policy that I have mischaracterized in the most dishonest and hyperbolic fashion to suit my narrative. What could possibly go wrong with this punch a Nazi principle? Tennessee Canuck does a sarcastic one with, yeah, punch Nazis. If you don't want to be punched, by definition, you're a Nazi, which is true. But these people are the Nazis. 
These people are the fascists. Don't believe me? Here's some more of the peaceful protesters. Why, why did they just hit yeah. you? Don't record me. Why did they just hit you? Don't record me. Why were you just hit? Don't record me. It would be helpful just you, without recording you. <laughs> Sir, why? Did you say something to irritate them? Two, three, four. America was proof james from the internet does gives us this following screed police in charlottesville have forced me to walk two miles back to my car to drop off video equipment however my camera has been strapped to an ar-15 i would not have been turned away charlottesville they had to make people start putting shit down because they, they couldn't protect them but people don't see that Chance of cops and the Klan go hand in hand. Two signs tonight at leftist protesters in Charlottesville. Last year they came with torches. This year we, they come with badges. Behind every cop's a Klansman. I grow cobwebs before the MSL calls these disgusting signs out. Protesters are that the dorm housing, 700 extra cops this weekend in Charlottesville. The banner kind of sums up the overall mood. Big picture of Charlottesville student protests right now. The University of Virginia. Fury at police for their well-documented failure to intervene in white supremacist torch march a year ago. Anniversary of white supremacist torch rally. Charlottesville, simmering student local activists, anger against the police. You don't care if people die, civil servants, that's a lie. How do you spell Nazi? C-O-P. Other protests. No border, no wall, no USA at all. Yeah, they're peaceful protesters. Asted. These are the images Republican deceptively used to say Democrats are off the rails, even though these folks aren't Dems. I destroyed him. Instead of David Duke, Rush Limbaugh, every white supremacist, every shooter, even the Democrat one who shot the baseball game, the con zone, 
You own this shit. AG conservative sums it up pretty well. This isn't who many in the media keep portraying as the good guys. Maybe there are no good guys there, and that's true. Just call. Carl, anyone want to bet that only one cable news outlet will run clips of this tomorrow? Josh Pear, does this count as an anti-American protest? Wonder what the CNN Chiron will say. Banner on CNN. Anti-hate groups dramatically outnumber white supremacists. Anti-hate groups. Alex Van Ness. By anti-hate groups, CNN is referring to the folks who said all cops are racist and beat up journalists. Derek Hunter, chants from those anti-hate groups are fuck the police to leftists. This is love. Perry Stein, anti-fascist protests making it way down 17th. Anytime, place, punch a Nazi in the face. Protesters now launching fireworks in the direction of police. Seems Unite the Right is preparing to leave. Antifa seem to have thrown two smoke bombs at the cops. Police got in there quickly and threw them back. Black-clad protesters marching down 1st Street, now chanting, Shut down D.C. Just Carl again. CNN's Brian Todd mentions in passing that the anti-fug thugs were a little more confrontational with the police, which apparently involved tear gas. No mention of the attacks on the media, the rockets, the egg throwing. The media has a bias towards covering conflict right up to the point where they don't. There's pictures on Twitter. Some other media got five staples in their head. They were hit by a baton for walking down the street. But you know how the media covers it. Washington Post. Washington Post decided to tell the story of last night's development of Charlottesville with the undertones of over-policing. Confusion over enormous police presence turned into another anger, another angry Saturday night in Charlottesville as hundreds of protesters marched through the street growing angry at police and calling for the end of white supremacy. There should be no confusion about the fact that police are in place to prevent the kind of destruction and property damages that Antifa protesters engage in with regularity, somebody tweets to them. And apparently the media are now the targets of the violence as well, another one said. Town Hall reported it. Left-wing Antifa thugs attacked media and police in Charlottesville. Yeah. They just said what it was. Kurt Schilster. The media sides of people who hate the cops that protect us. Understand that the liberal media is your enemy. And with the video of events available to everyone via social media, there really isn't a need to have a Washington Post explain it anymore because they don't need to. Chad Felix Green, just incredible how they manipulate these stories knowing full well what we have all seen surrounding the this event. Next article, all true from Twitter, and it was from InfoWars that compiled it. Then the Daily Caller picked it up. Then Twitchy picked it up. Then the Daily Wire picked it up. They just went on Twitter and put together a story. Maybe this is part of the reason why they are banned by Apple. Antifa vows bullets for political enemies. Media ignore threat. Far left groups open incitement to violence gets zero press coverage. Numerous video clips and photos show Antifa members carrying a large black banner which reads, It takes a bullet to bash a fash. Given that Antifa believes everyone right of Joseph Stalin's to be fascist, they literally carry communist hammer and sickle flags. This is open incitement of violence against all conservatives. Secret Service trying to remove Antifa blockades that was set up to stop Unite the Right rally goers. Antifa is throwing items at this. 
everything I just read is from tweets from people on the ground with pictures. It's not hyperbole. It's not made up. Crystal Hayes was in the thick of it. She tweets all sorts of stuff. I went to her real Twitter page. They're all there. Whoa. This D.C. Police Department officer nearly mobbed by a group of counter-protesters unite the right. People are throwing things at him, shoving him, and kicking his motorcycle. Looks like another cop was also in the mix, too. In another clip, leftists are asked why they, what they would do if they met President Trump. And I'm going to play that in a second. It's going to be a shitty recording because it's protected. It's just horrible. Jack Posobiec, I never say his name, Posobiec. Fiction versus reality. Vox, the alt-right's constituency is a tiny fringe. It's about 11 million Americans or 5.64% of non-Hispanic white people. That's what they say. They show 20 people marching down the street. John Noonan. Only 30 bozos showed up. He was wrong. It was 20. This stupid Nazi rally. I've yet to hear a good reason for why this tiny squad of losers deserve millions worth of wall-to-wall media coverage, which amplified their message. Without cameras, just an angry Magic the Gathering tournament, which I thought was pretty funny. Gathering of UFO enthusiasts, witchcraft practitioner. practitioner practitioner, sorry, and assorted religious cranks routinely draw exponentially more followers than Unite the Right did today. The assumption that there are people who require constant national attention needs to be seriously recalibrated. This is Benny. He was there. He interviewed people. This is what they said. Hey guys, my name is Benny Johnson. I'm here at the counter-protest, the Unite the Right in Washington, D.C. in Lafayette Square. Uh, We are asking people what they would do if President Trump were to show up at this march. Some of the answers have been pretty stunning. Uh, Here they are. What would you do if Donald Trump showed up at the Trump? Murder him? Murder him for the people? How about you, man? Now, to Trump, forget on the fuck on the floor and scrub those toilets himself because he doesn't know how to fuck clean he needs to learn he needs to learn how to clean scrub some toilets yeah. fucking murder I mean yo he's America's Caesar except he's a dickhead so you gotta take him down you gotta take fuck him down Trump. fuck Trump there fuck Trump if it came down to it and it was a group effort we'd have to do him like Gaddafi like Gaddafi yeah what would you do if Donald Trump showed up Sir, beat his ass. Beat his ass. Uh, Trump showed up today. What would you do, sir? I throw the fucking bell at him. You throw a bell at him? Yeah, why not? All right. What would you say? Tell him to fuck off. <laughs> All right. What, what's that shirt say? 
something to jag on him. I diss on his leg. What's that? I diss on his leg. Because so down here, I would tell his wife to go home and for him to get on his jet and get the fuck out of here too. Get the fuck out of here? Yeah. And Melania, to get out of here too? Yeah, because, you know, he, he, um, he hates everybody, but he forgets his wife is uh, an immigrant too. Um, I wouldn't say anything, because if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. NBC, CBS, CNN, Fox were all there. They didn't project any of that. They didn't even ask the questions. And then Crystal Hayes shows us this. A man and woman were wearing Trump 2020 shirts and walking away from the Unite the Right rally. They weren't participants. They were just there. Had water and other chemicals thrown on them. Counter-protesters followed them for blocks. The man and woman wearing Trump shirts finally got to the police. Counter-protesters pulled their hair, threw things at them, and poured water on their heads. They're now being escorted out of the area by police. Oh, you're just saying, Tony, that's that's just somebody's interpretation of what happened. No, they filmed it. Yeah, you scared of me? You say you can't have these motherfuckers out here, man. One of many. I could probably put a dozen up. Just wearing a Trump hat. They weren't part of the protest. So how did New York Times cover it? A poorly attended white nationalist rally. Actual tweet. Handful of white nationalists waving American flags wearing Trump campaign hats marched to park just north of the White House where they were met by thousands of counter-protesters and dozens of law enforcement. That's it. Somebody showed a time lapse of the whole thing. Thousand people attacking them. 20 people walking down a street. The coverage was so anemic on reality and so over the top for what it was. The Babylon Bee. Media disappointed only 30 white nationalists showed up at an event they hyped. Several members of the press expressed their extreme disappointment that the white nationalist rally they hyped up for an entire week was only attended by 30 people Saturday. We really wanted to use this to inflame the race war, so we were pretty bummed when we couldn't get a good shot of millions of neo-Nazi marching through the street in Washington, said one CNN reporter. Would have fit perfectly with our narrative. Oh well. Reporters and journalists on the left vowed to continue to stoke the fires of racial tensions, hopefully getting more people to show up whenever another rally is announced. And that's what it's about. 
Understand, this is the second podcast we covered Antifa attacking people. Media won't even cover it. They won't cover it. Next one, they're going to run. That Zork got fired. And, and I can just ride, read one. Brian Krasenstein, brother of the other Krasenstein that worked for CNN. Make no mistake about it, the firing of Zork came from the very top. Trump did it. The OPR recommendation was simply to motion a six-day suspension. Trump is creating an atmosphere. Political vengeance. Ah! And that's going to fire more people up. Fire them up. I had a soundbite of literally CNN talking about it's so bad that Zork's a punching bag. I'm not going to play it. You know, it's, it's just how they are. But you heard Cuomo in the intro. Tie it into this. Justifying beating people up. Justifying it. It's okay. It's okay to beat people up. It's morally justified. Two wrongs don't make a right, but it's our team. And this isn't the only one. Tom Winters, NBC News, Brandon Zabrowski, age 33 from Cambridge, Massachusetts, has been arrested and charged with making an interstate threat. According to the indictment, Zabrowski offered to pay $500 to anyone who would kill an ICE agent. Press conference, 1130 a.m. We're going to abolish ICE, Sean McLuhan. Are the free speech warriors going to oppose this? No, laugh, laugh, laugh out loud, of course. They don't care about the state's suppression of speech. Their highly paid trolls and the editors who publish them should all tender the resignation. RB Pundit. Pretty sure every free speech warrior who is sane draws a line on making death threats. Feeling a little guilty here, bro? If you're an American, you're automatically a free speech warrior because it's essentially individual liberty. Two, threats to kill impact people's individual liberty. Three, I'm sorry this is so hard for you. But the Tennessee senator who gobbed up on fucking Zork and wanted to give him a purple heart, he takes it to the next level. Not just ICE. He hopes that a political opponent will commit suicide. The big orange president, that's not somebody from Knoxville. He's going to come down here and he's going to endorse Marshall Blackman. Because Marshall Blackman, if he says, jump off the Harahan Bridge, she'll jump off the Harahan Bridge. I wish he'd say that. (laughs) It's in their DNA. And by the way, if he was a Republican, he'd have to quit. He'd have to resign. Have to resign. That's just what would happen. It is part of their DNA now. They are all into fascism. New York Dam rages about Trump supporters during town hall. I don't give a fuck. Congressman Sean Patrick Mahoney of New York did not hold back his disdain for Trump or his supporters. He called them assholes and shouted that he doesn't give a fuck what Trump fans say. The baseball bat is about defending your home and your family when someone comes through the front door and you have nowhere to run. That's not violence, that's self-defense. That's making a decision when you're going to stand up or go down swinging. When the reporter asked if Trump supporters might have take issues with this harsh rhetoric, Maloney said, I don't care, I don't give a fuck what these Trump fans say. That's not what it, 
this is about. This is about speaking from the heart about a family I built for 25 years that's in the crosshairs of these assholes and doing something about it, Maloney continues. It feels like the people who are fueled by hate, demagoguery, and anger for the their sh- shit together and those of us who want to talk about love, hope, and inclusion. Really? You guys are for inclusion? Because this story says no. Democratic staffer resigns after old tweet services calling America a shithole country and saying fuck you to Arizona. Yeah, PJ Media found it. But what's Brian Seltzer worried about? He's worried about Trump is talking about OANN, a news network I never even heard of, and he might be improving his their ratings. That that bothered him. Somebody did show basic top five primetime total viewers for July, and CNN's not even in the top ten. It went Fox, MSNBC. HGTV, USA, Hallmark, TBS, History, TLC, Investigation, Discovery that I don't even have, and ESPN. Then there's this one, Jennifer Bendry from HuffPost. They're worried about QAnon, which is some crazy conspiracy shit, and that Trump keeps talking about the number 17. We're not reporting about people getting beaten. We're not reporting about what Nick Short was. Eric Klan, the Antifa professor, charged with beating people over the head with a U-lock, a daily weapon, offered plea deal of three-year probation. Not a single hour in jail. Democrat judge, morally justified to hit people with the lock because you don't like what they're saying. And to date... Every segment I've ever done on Antifa, nobody who was beat up was ever the fucking piece of shit, racist, white supremacist. They don't get beat up. It's anybody around it wearing Trump guard, being a reporter, as you heard with the fuck you guy and that soundbite, black policemen, the police. These people are the fascists. They call themselves anti-fascists, but like everything else on the left, it is a cover for what they really are. More to follow on this, but they don't come to states like mine. Because if this shit went down inside Tennessee, there'd be some dead Antifa. Because let you touch me or my wife because we're walking down a street and we happen to be white. Let you come to a town and burn it down. You guys are staying in the fucking blue zones because you're smart. But every video I've seen, these are just a bunch of punk-ass kids. They want socialism because they don't want to have to work. They want to stay in mommy and daddy's basement and watch fucking Pornhub, which I have a story on. And news and social media now get. Always got to tie something in. So let's go to fire for effect.
and this is out of the city of brotherly love this is out of philadelphia previously deported immigrant from honduras raped a child after philadelphia authorities ignored ice detainers and released him pled guilty to illegal entry anyway it goes back to this particular man juan ramon vasquez 45 anyway he faced up a couple of years in prison and was deported from the u.s in 2009 back in the country in March of 2014, taken into custody. Then, after local criminal charges against him were dropped, Philadelphia did not comply with a detainer by the Immigration and Customs Enforcement. He's released. After his release, he was rearrested and convicted for the rape of a child and unlawful sexual contact with minor. Uh, isn't that about Philly's decision to disregard ICE detainers like Ann Cuomo just talked about? Couldn't that well, be? Couldn't that have been prevented? It could have been prevented, and it should have been prevented. We owe the American people better. I mean, this is a perfect example of when jurisdictions decide not to cooperate with federal law enforcement, we put our communities at risk. I mean, what that required that the men and women of DHS go back into community at their own risk and the risk of the community where the criminal is uh, to try to reinterdict and detain that person. Yeah, as one person said, he got a free pass from the city of Philadelphia and its Department of Prisons had its straight back into our community committed a heinous crime he never would have had the chance to commit had the city of philadelphia complied with the ice detainer it's this is happening much more than people a sanctuary city yeah. <laughs> if they had gotten the warrant we would have turned the person over and no, nothing of this would have happened and if the city had held the detainer against the likely against the order of a, a child common, wouldn't have been raped against the order of a common police court judge you do see this though as a tragedy yes no way to look at it's it. absolute tragedy and all they had to do i want to touch on that before i go on the main subjects well yeah i guess it's part of the main subjects that was the happy dance that I couldn't get sound on. Finally found one. Um, and I, I want to make sure that stays current. That's what sanctuary cities get you. Dead people. Little girl gets fucking raped. And he just can't even justify it. But he tries. Oh yeah, it's horrible, but... I need to pander for votes. I believe my base wants unfettered open borders. The problem is, we spend all our time in our media talking about how fucking horrible the right is and how they, how Trump's pandering to his base, the racists. Yours is pretty fucking extreme, folks. Killing ICE agents, you know, fucking banishing ICE. Not having an ICE, human trafficking, fuck that, we don't care, they're racist. An Antifa. I'm telling you, the normal middle-of-the-road American, they don't notice these white supremacists. They don't know a white supremacist. They don't see white supremacists. They don't go to white supremacist rallies. But on their TV every week, because you guys are so obsessed to play the race card so you can try to get Democrats elected, all we see is kids in black fucking outfits beating the fuck out of people. So I, I wanted to make sure that little segment got out there. There's your happy dance mayor. Doesn't even fucking care. Little girl got raped on his watch because he got a sanctuary city. That's that's more important. Jennifer Rubin starts us off with the next one. I'm going to play the soundbite. I'm not going to say what she said. But her tweet was very 
succinct. She's been a blatant racist for some time and did a whole thing on Laura Ingram. We got some Laura Ingram today. We got some in hypocrisy too. Candace Owens goes back to her. Hey, Jenny, care to comment on Rahm Emanuel and has said one black people are shot in Chicago last weekend? No. Black people and Spanish people are not your political props. Care about real issues or shut up. I love it. What I learned from liberals this week, the definition of racism is Laura Ingram discussing demographic changes in the country. It is not a mob of white people assembling outside of a diner to kick a black woman out while shouting race traitors to an all-black police force. Liberals never get tired of pretending to care about minorities to take down their political opponents. The same people calling for a boycott of Laura Ingram advertisers sent zero tweets about the 71 black people who were shot in Chicago. Another one, if you think taking down Laura Ingram in a more important than boycotting Rahm Emanuel, you're likely a white liberal who views minority as your political bargaining chips. Might want to check that privilege. So what did Laura Ingram say? Because in some parts of the country, it does seem like the America that we know and love doesn't exist anymore. Massive demographic changes have been foisted upon the American people, and they're changes that none of us ever voted for and most of us don't like. From Virginia to California, we see stark examples of how radically, in some ways, the country has changed. Now, much of this is related to both illegal and, in some cases, legal. Now, it's going to come across as racist when I say this. Because everything that talks about race is racist. If you're white, you, you can't talk about race. But what she's saying is true if you go to California, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas. There are clusters of full-fledged God, America doesn't look like America. In the respect that you have all Spanish things. I mean, let me just, I'm going to define it down to the easiest way what she's trying to say. And once again, where I live, it's not the case. Integrated, black, I'm next to a military base. We're melting pot. And the people that end up staying here, melting pot. Black, white, pink, doesn't fucking matter. They stayed here because they like the area. Or, or like in my case, it was a cheap and beautiful country and you can go fishing. Sorry, I had to take a drink. Um, But when I went to Miami, every time I went there and every time I left, it was like going to a foreign country. Because most of Miami is straight up Little Havana. There is no English signs. Nobody speaks English. Everything's in Spanish. All the restaurants are Spanish. And to make matters worse, because of our media and the way they portray everything, there was a definite vibe, you're a piece of shit, gringo, go away. Some places wouldn't even serve me. They just ignore me. So I just leave. It took me like a month to get the people at my favorite Cuban sandwich selling vendor. It was like an open air, like something you'd see in a foreign country. And you walk in and the front of the store is open. It's hot as balls. And I'd order my sandwich. It took like a month for those people to start talking to me. They want nothing to do with me. Nothing. Nothing at all. So what she was trying to articulate is through democratic sanctuary cities, mandatory grabbing people, immigration that's not within the system, 
There are parts of this country that no longer look like America. They have become a foreign country. Other example, non-Latino, Dearborn, Michigan. Even my son went up there. It's like part of the Middle East. Is that a bad thing? I don't know if it's a bad thing. Part of me does feel it's a bad thing. We need some sort of fucking primer that this is America. You at least got to learn fucking language. When I went to Korea, I had to learn Korean words so I could talk to people. And they made sure of it because all of them learn English. But they sure the fuck wouldn't say it. When they go to school, they learn English. But they weren't going to talk English because it was their fucking country. And I didn't have a problem with it. So they made a big deal about this week. But it's true. We are now no longer a melting pot. We're an injection pot. They're just throwing people into California, taking anybody they can, and those people are taking it over and making it their home. Liberals say that's a great thing. I don't know if it is a great thing. I just don't know if that's what what this was supposed to be. Considering... As she stated succinctly, nobody votes for a sanctuary city. Nobody votes to say, hey, we don't want to follow any laws and people can do whatever the fuck they want. And oh, all those people, because I want their votes, they get freebies and I don't. I'm sure if you went to liberal cities with sanctuary cities and talked to African-Americans, white, Latinos that are already there, came in the country legally, they'd probably go, hey, what the fuck? I'm busting my ass over here getting taxed out the fucking wazoo so that person could just get free? I mean, I've seen some analysis of what we pay every year for illegals. It ain't pretty. It's billions of dollars. Billions. Of handouts for people who don't contribute. By that, they work, but they don't pay Social Security. They don't. They don't pay Medicare. They don't pay taxes. Most of them are under the table. Because regardless of a sanctuary or not, you still got an I nine. So I, I could see all the race hustlers are going to say that's racist. But I think that's coming from the perspective of a normal American. I'm not saying white. I'm saying normal person. If you went and traveled outside your area and went to parts of this country on the coasts, you would see what she's saying and go, whoa, okay, I got it. Anyway, let's move it on. And the New Mexico shit. ABC World News and CBS Evening News refused to report father of New Mexico compound was a Muslim extremist, Jim Garrity. Holy shit, how's this story about a bunch of loons training 15 kids to commit school shootings and starving them? Not the biggest story right now. Well, there's reasons. Derek Hunter points them out, and I got two other ones. They're Islamic radicals, Trump tweets, journalism is, journalism is dead. <laughs> That's another one. But the most important part is it's connected to the left. ACLU shut down an investigation into these guys, said it was 
breaking their civil liberties so the FBI stopped training them. Last podcast, we showed how Linda Sossauer is ace boon coon with these people, and now we get the money shot, and pretty much why the media won't touch it. The father of the gentleman who was in charge of the Madras, which the media won't call it, but that's what it was, Saraji Wahaj is the guy's name. His father, who was a co-conspirator with the World Trade Center bombing, led a prayer at the DNC convention in 2012. That's why we won't touch it. It goes back to Obama. Obama was friends with the father of Siraj Wahaj. You don't see me surprised by that, because I totally believe Barack Hussein Obama hated America. So anybody that hated America was good with him. No, you didn't hear me saying call him a Muslim. I, I think he was an atheist, personally. If you really want to break it down, he's an atheist. He was never really a religious person. But that's why they're not going to touch it. They're just not going to touch it. Touch it. So then we get into Feinstein, media blackout. Nobody's covered that she had a spy on her staff for 20 years. Mark Hemingway, it looks like someone is trying to protect Feinstein. Well, here we go. He has been reporting extensively on this. And what did he get? We have received a complaint regarding your account at Herminator for the following content. We investigated the report content and could not identify any violation of the Twitter rules. They're trying to shut him down so it can't get out. Probably Feinstein's campaign herself. Benjamin Warengarden. So Twitter receives a complaint regarding my tweet about my story on Senator Feinstein and her husband's longtime China ties. That's the second person. Byron York. Big relief. Twitter informs me I have been investigated. That's the third one. Alex Griswold. It appears that I have been also. So four conservative pundits on Twitter have been investigated for recover, just reporting on it. Just reporting. That's what I've been talking about. That's what's wrong with this goddamn country. Free speech for me, but not for thee. That's where we're at. That's what social media is all about. And it's in- incredible. I mean, you don't even, I'm not even, I have so much shit today. I can't even follow up on the whole fucking, the whole Keith Ellison stuff. It's only local. That's the only people. Star Tribune's covering it. The media has ignored it. There are affidavits showing that he beat the fuck out of somebody. They they just won't cover it because it's not part of them. But staying on Twitter, what does it take to get a leftist to get locked up by Twitter? Blue check left winger not happy about Dorsey's decision on Alex Jones. He got put in timeout, but that's because he cursed Jack himself. And that's the only reason he got put in time. This is what he said. But that's not exactly what he yelled at Jack. It was more like, hey, Jack, eat fucking shit, you fascist fuck. There's my con- contribution to your open dialogue, you pig. Mm. Okay. Gavin McGiven, securely host for Conservative Review, was suspended by Twitter on Friday. PDX Mike Biven, replying to It's Mike Biven. Proud Boy Patriarch Gavin McGinnis has also been given the boot by Twitter. The regional Proud Boys account that was most... On my case has also been suspended. Proud Boy 
SCA once got the main PB account to retweet this tweet. The group in question's notion of Antifa. Twitter suspended several accounts associated with the Proud Boys, a right-wing group present at last year's Unite the Right. So they, they all got kicked off Twitter because people complained. Ryan Savandra, Vox is now pushing for the censorship of Stephen Malone, Lauren Southern, Stephen Crowder, Mark Dice, Gavin McGinnis, Prison Planet, Real Candace O. They're pushing. It's a whole campaign. Oliver Darcy. Twitter said it would have taken action. Alex Jones, Infowars, the content that got them in trouble with Facebook. YouTube has been posted on Twitter. But all the content that initially led to YouTube, Facebook taking action is fact posted to Twitter. A CNN review of Infowars and Jones' Twitter account found promotion to Sandy Hook, Parkland conspiracies, tax on individual based on the gender identity and religion, targeted harassment, da-da-da-da. So they're hall monitoring. They're still trying to push him to get it done. Chad Felix Green. Imagine if Twitter actually followed this standard by removing all accounts that engaged in those activities, included 9-11 conspiracies or anything involving the Jews. They are so fixated on vengeance, they do not seem aware of what it is they're demanding to do that they don't care mark dice editor of the verge one of vox main clickbait contact farm website is calling for fox news to be pulled from cable and satellite providers i told you they were going to stop after censoring alec jones Nila patel i feel like we should be just as comfortable asking comcast and verizon and charter why they continue to offer fox news and their networks as we are about facebook and alex jones see this isn't about Terrible things, hate speech. It's not. Infowars is some crazy shit. I gotcha. But they're no crazier than what you can find on HuffPo. There's no crazy you can find on The Root. They have some fucking crazy conspiracy shit. We've done it on the show. But it's not about that. It's about shutting it down. No conservative view. Steve Mudflap McGrew. I just followed Candace Owen on Facebook, and Facebook locked my account. Vincent D'Onofrio. This one just cracks me the fuck up. I'm going to ask a question to everyone that cares to answer it. I have an opinion which I will not reveal. Is now the right time, considering the world we live in, for me to play a real-life character who is irredeemably racist in a dramatic series? So before he takes a role... Well, let me just put it more eloquently. Here's Neon Taser. When you're so paralyzed by fear of mob outrage that you ask Twitter for permission to play a bad person on TV, welcome to 2018. He's scared to do a role because of the mob. Then you got Ezra Klein. Defends kill all men Twitter hashtag. Yet another article from the left insisting that old racist tweets from recently hired New York Times writer Sarah Jong aren't actually racist. Vox founder Ezra Klein veered off course in defending an old misunderstood hashtag, Kill All Men. A few years ago, it became popular on feminist Twitter to tweet about the awful effects of patriarchal culture and attach the line, Kill All Men. This became popular enough that a bunch of people I know and hang out with and even love began using it in casual conversation. First of all, that must be some kind of bubble he lives in to have friends and loved ones who think it's funny or normal to casually say, kill all men. Moving on. Klein then says he didn't like hearing his friends say this and that it made him defensive, but insists he knew that wasn't what they were saying. Entire article that goes on when you're saying white people are bad, you're not really saying it. 
kill all white people. That's not really what they're saying. So, deport everybody, build the wall. Is that what they're saying? Because that's what you say they're saying. And you say they're racist and xenophobic for saying it. There we are. We're in that slope that's not slippery. It's hypocritical. We can do what we can do because we like to do it. I, I think I could finish this subject on a pretty good analogy. When I was a young staff sergeant in Fort Ord, California, we had a bunch of bangers. That was still in the time where it was go to army, go to jail. And the bangers would say N-I-G-G-A. I'm going to say it for your effect. Nigga. It wasn't the racial epitaph. Is what they were saying. The rap thing was coming out. Yada, yada, yada. God, I sounded old. The rap thing. But the most important part of it is that eventually white kids would get and be friends. And then the white kids would say it. It was cool for a while, and then there'd be some kind of fight. So my old, you know, Silver Star wearing Vietnam stud platoon sergeant got up in front of the group and said, if you can't say it to somebody, you don't say it at all. So there'll be no more nigga, and you damn sure shouldn't say the ER version. And I think that's how we should play it. Because this hypocrisy is a joke. If I push any kind of hashtag to a tweet that could be perceived as sexist, racist, uh, xenophobic, transphobic, or homophobic, I lose my job because I'm white. Now you're saying that if you're a person of color or a liberal ally and you're white, you can say whatever the fuck you want because you're on our team. If that's how things are going to work, there's going to be a fight. To Kavanaugh. Wapos, Sung Kim Min, Min Kim, excuse me, tweeted out a piece again, and here it is. Every year, Kavanaugh takes the young daughter of a widow friend or a school's father dance. Dance. That's, um, that's bad. But I, I don't understand. You guys don't want him. Why would you put that piece out? That's actually like a positive. Then Schumer did a whole thing about it. He said abortion is the fabric of American life. I'm just going to let that sit just by itself. The fabric. It makes America, America. Well, it is an American trait to kill babies up to third trimester. I'll give you that. Yeah. We're like the only country that does it. Next one's a top notch from ProPublica. Do you... Did you go to Washington National Games with Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh? We want your pic- pictures. I guess they want to see him eating a hot dog. That's how desperate they are. Desperate. Then we get back into more under the gun debate. Aaron Rupar, Dana Loesch is on Fox a friend, but was not introduced as the NRA spokesman. That's now Butt Herdia. Butt Herdia. For the left is that she must be tagged NRA spokesman every time she goes on the air. Because they haven't had a shooting in a while. So they can go hyperbolic about guns. Doesn't seem that important. Because this seems pretty important. Sean Davis. She's Democrat. Ran for Congress by pushing for gun control. Police just charged her for murdering her campaign treasurer. Wait for it. Was it with her hands? No. With the gun. Kelly Collins, a former congressional candidate in Georgia's 10th district, was charged with murder of her former campaign treasurer, Curtis Kane. The allegation of murder followed Kane's advocacy for responsible gun control law during her campaign. 
WSB-TV reports that she argued for stricter legislation to protect the community. Police found Kane's body in Collins' apartment with a gunshot wound. Kane did not come in work last Tuesday, prompting deputies to check on him. Police estimate that he was dead for roughly a week. Collins turned herself in on police on Saturday, shortly after the body was found. Yeah. That just sums it up. I should have put that in hypocrisy. So we're going to go to a music break, and we're come back into our tweets of the day. And I promise we'll try to get less violent, because there's a lot of lefty violence going on. This is for the man in black.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Jack Probosek, to be clear, the new emails show Obama DOJ official Bruce Orr not only helps Chris Steele make the fake Trump dossier, but he also working with Russian oligarch Oleg Deraspaka, or worked directly for Sally Yates, who signed off on the page FISA warrant. Let that sink in. Not a lot of reporting lately on the whole Russiagate, but that's probably part of it. Next one, Daily Beast Gideon Resnick was given the unevitable task of covering Senator Kristen Gillibrand's town hall Thursday night, and one of the most poignant questions was raised by a 10-year-old, Gideon Resnick. 10-year-old boy just asked how she's going to protect the Mueller investigation. The woke Twitter parents' kids are real. God help us all. In other words, she's following the Hillary model and planning kids in there to ask questions. Somebody said it's probably true. Ed Aluskas, he was then immediately hired by CNN as their lead political reporter. <laughs> Jay Shaka, my six-year-old grandson, picks out IPOs for me to invest in. Hashtag kids never, kids, things kids never say. Another one, my three-year-old niece just asked me, hopefully, if Amorosa is going to finally break Trump's back and cried when I laughed and took her last Tate's cookie from her and ate it smiling. My seven-year-old niece start crying because she's worried that the Fed will start tightening without sufficient infl- in- inflationary data to justify it. <laughs> Nothing like dragging your kids to a town hall and coaching them so you can use them for political prop. What nice parenting. My seven-year-old cat just asked, why do Democrats continually make up stories about their children? <laughs> While tweeting later in that day about not wanting to be breeders, bringing kids in this horrible, overpopulated world. But the tweet of the day, unborn fetus is transgendered mother's womb, are demanding the exact measurement of Mueller's giant head. Hey, tweet of the day! Tired of people telling me that America is the greatest country because we can whip your ass? I hate some of these people, but I'd never kill them. How do you deal with this? You're never going to be able to unsee what you saw. Try to impeach him. Just try it. You will have a spasm of violence in this country like you've never seen. 
Governor Snyder, I got some Flint water for you. When the operation of the machine becomes so odious, you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, and you've got to make it stop. If nobody's going to do it, then I got to do it. And I don't give a who you are. I'll fight you in the damn street right now. Okay, um, um, how the did this happen? The American dream is dead. Stop resisting. The president's powers here are beyond question. Ladies and gentlemen, the last president of the United States. Coming to an American city near you. Good God, he's back. This is a tweet that went with this trailer to this crappy movie he's going to put out. And it's not just Trump or the government that poisoned Flint. Trump wasn't in office, you fucking idiot. Then he had an article, Nasty, Michael Morris's Fuck Hope. Film director Michael Moles spends a lot of time going off on the deep end, but he's hit new depths this time in an interview on HuffPost. Moore answered 10 questions in writing, and he said some more deep end stuff. Donald Trump is an evil genius. He has no intention of leaving the White House. Whenever he hears that another country is a president for life, he perks up and thinks, I like the sound of that. And he has an obedient political party that holds every seat of power backing him up. The majority of Americans agree with me on the issues. I'm part of the majority. Ah! No, shut up. Senator Brian Schatz of Hawaii blasted Republicans on Thursday for the compliance and allowing President Donald Trump to believe the creation of the Space Force is possible. The Vice President just announced a new military branch, Space Force, because no Republican is willing to tell POTUS it's a dumb idea. The VP just announced a military branch, Space Force, but ours are not willing to tell POTUS is a dumb idea. There's like three tweets he did on it. He just lost his mind about it. And to show that the New York Times doesn't like inappropriate tweets, New York Times writer apologizes for inappropriate tweet about Sarah Jong. Yeah, that, that's that's fucking fantastic. Meet Florida State Senator Daphne Campbell, a Democrat. She got pissed at Miami Herald reporter in a debate on Thursday, so she called the cops. Jerry and Nolly, Miami State Senator Daphne Campbell called the cops on Miami Herald Blasky S. The debate today, but according to police, this is actually the second time this reporter has had the cops sicked on them. Then they show a third time that this lady, a senator, has called the cops because reporters have been asking questions. Where is the war on media? Come on, Brian Seltzer. He had de Blasio on. He, we're going to play that soundbite. He wants the whole fucking Fox News taken out. Hmm. Okay. Keek Morgan tweeted, Fact is, if this tweet were more about any other race, this person would be removed. Thousands of tweets like this. I hate white people. Death to white people at work who try to talk slang because they think they're relating. No, you're pissing me off. Uh, I just want to make this crystal clear to everyone who follows or is considering following me. The difference between pedophilia jokes and attacking white people is that pedophilia jokes are bad, while attacking white people is good. 
Those are hate tweets. Too much hate in the world. Let's go to hypocrisy. Hypocrisy! The President of the United States calls my first guest tonight a real beauty, among other things. Please welcome the Chief White House Correspondent for CNN, Jim Acosta. Socks? Can I yes, see your there socks? There you go. Red, red, white, and blue. Can we get a shot of those? Red, white, and blue socks there? From okay. The, uh, from the Enemy of the People collection. Of course, of yeah. course. Well, long may your ankles wave. Thank you. Now, <laughs> as I said in your little introduction there, you're the, you're the chief uh, White House correspondent for CNN. At the last press briefing, um, I think this was the last one before they went on vacation, uh, you asked uh, this of Sarah Huckabee Sanders. All the people around the world are watching what you're saying, Sarah, and the White House for the United States of America, the President of the United States, should not refer to us as the enemy of the people. His own daughter acknowledges that, and all I'm asking you to do, Sarah, is to acknowledge that right now and right here. Why? People seem to... Not a big deal, right? Just say we're, you know, we're not the yeah. enemy of the people, you know. So what did she eventually say to you? Did she ever say, yeah, you're right, you're not? Uh, she went through a litany of complaints that she had about the way she's been treated, and she talked about the White House Correspondents' Dinner, where uh, comedian Michelle Wolf uh, made some unflattering comments about her. I said, hey, you know, listen, I'm sorry that you've been put through the meat grinder. We all get put through the meat grinder in this town. Uh, but at the end of the day, you shouldn't be re- referring to journalists as the enemy of the people. We're not the enemy of the people. Um, <laughs> You, you've gotten uh, you've gotten singled out by the president quite specifically in his disdain for you and for CNN, and you've become you've gotten some notoriety for pushing back in the way that you have. Are, are you an outlier? Or are you merely saying the things that everyone in the press corps is saying, but just not in front of a camera? <laughs> Uh, you know, no, we're all uh, fed up with uh, with the treatment that we're receiving, and I'm not the only one uh, to, to speak out about this. Uh, you know, listen. But you're famous for it because you particularly get picked on by him, and you yeah. particularly push back. Well, I push Why back. do you think you have that relationship I, with him? I mean, listen, I, here, here's, here's, here's the way I describe it. This was going on during the campaign. He referred to us as the disgusting news media, the dishonest news media, liars, scum, and thieves, and so on. And then at that infamous press conference, January 11th of 2017, nine days before he became uh, President of the United States, he would not take a question from me uh, from CNN about uh, the, the dossier and about this uh, 
intelligence assessment that the intelligence community was giving to the incoming president, that you, you might be compromised with this information that the Russians have. And he would not take the question, and he said, you're fake news. And, and to me, when you insult our news organization, when you call us fake news, the way I look at it, hey, that's calling on me for a question. The same thing happened in, in Britain a few weeks ago when he called uh, us fake news at a news conference with the British prime minister right in front of us. He calls us uh, fake news, refers to CNN as fake news. I, I look at that as he's calling on me for a question. Why does he, so why do you I think he, why do you think he, he dislikes CNN, seems to like, dislike you more than any other news service? Is it because you guys talked nice guys. about the dossier? Well, there was there was an exclusive report that CNN had at that time on January right. 11th, and that was that was my mission in, in life was to go into that press conference and, and ask a question about that story. Uh, but listen, ever since then, and this is what gets under their skin: we have had to be fact checkers in real time. We have had to try to tell the truth in real time. When the president says Barack Obama wiretapped me, when he says Barack Obama wiretapped me at Trump Tower, not true. When he says that millions of people. Uh, undocumented people voted in the election. That's why I lost the popular vote. That's not true. Uh, you know, his, his political career was built, the foundation of his political career was built uh, on a lie that Barack Obama was not born in this country. And so, listen, uh, you know, these are tough times. Uh, there are some tough questions to be asked. But I, I, don't, I don't think we, we do ourselves any good, Stephen, if we shy away from these hard questions. And, you know, my goodness, uh, the way I look at it is, and, and this is the, the debate I have with my fellow journalists when we talk about this, is what if we just did nothing? Do we just sit back and well, do nothing in that, the face of that? that that's, that's akin to the question I wanted to ask as a follow-up, which is, I, I believe you shouldn't do nothing. I, I believe in fact-checking. I believe in facts. I think there is an objective reality. Yeah. But um, it's where I live. and It's a good place but, to but be. Let's give yeah. some examples of like yeah. fact-checking the president, and, and, and you tell me what, what effect you think it might have. L last week, he said that um, U.S. Steel's, because of his tariffs, is opening six uh, shuttered uh, steel plants. Right. And people said, well, that's not actually happening. And then he goes, it's seven now. They're opening seven. And right. then U.S. Steel said, we're not. We're opening, we're, 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 we're opening one blast furnace in a plant that had been turned off. We're refiring one blast furnace. Right. And he goes, it's eight now. They're doing eight now. Yeah. So, but, so that is a, a demonstrable lie. Yes. And, and, and a big one, actually. It is That big. the company itself says, not true. And you guys report that it's not true. Right. What do you imagine the effect of that is? Well, it, it, because for any other president, it would be absolutely destructive. It, it, it is absolutely destructive when the president does that. And that is why, you know, I, along with many of my colleagues in, in the White House press corps, not just me, a lot of us do this. Uh, you know, we, we push back on these falsehoods on a daily basis. And this is why there are a lot of folks. Uh, who support the president, who are very upset with us right now because they, they take that in and they see it as, well, we're just bashing the president all day long. I mean, listen, are we supposed to do the news and not fact-check the president when he is obviously just telling whoppers one after another? I mean, I was at the rally in Tampa the other night, and he says not only are there fake news, there are, there's, there's fake polls. And, you know, in almost the same breath, he says, and by the way, the poll just came out and says I'm the most popular Republican president of all time. <laughs> Okay, if the polls are fake, how could you then in the next few seconds say, uh, by the way, I've got this poll that says I'm really popular, maybe even more popular than, than Abraham Lincoln. Um, <laughs> when polls didn't exist, that was the other part. I was like, well, they didn't have polls back then as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, there might have been an antiquated way that they, you know, some straws. He was called the Kentucky poll splitter. I, I think, think that was, that's, that's what, what it was, yes. 
Um, but, you know, listen. <laughs> Do I, you lose heart? Because no. your job is to... I'm not going to tell you your job, but I imagine yeah. the job of the press is to, is to um, uh, hold people in power to account for the things that they say and do. Yeah. And nothing that he says or does seems to have any effect on the people who, who support him. I, that is a difficult problem. And I was at this rally in Tampa last week. And, you know, you might have seen some of the video of the people were, at the rally were really We getting... actually have it. Can we show this real quick? This is, this is you in Tampa. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know her. I don't know why she did that. But, you know. she's some, she seems she's somebody's little girl. She, she's she somebody's seems very girl. nice. We went out for a beer later. It was, it was great. No. Um, I mean, listen, you know what? I, I talked I talked to these folks. I, I was at that rally last week. And what I did was, you know, I stepped down from the ra- the risers that we stand on. And I went down. I talked to a lot of these folks and they'll say this, things. This yeah, there's a yeah. Here are you. Are you taking selfies with them? <laughs> There's that. Yeah. A lot of these folks, they, they're well-intentioned. Uh, you know, they, they care about their country. I totally understand that. They really like this president. But they'll ask me, well, why don't you report the good things that he does? Well, I said, you know, listen, we just talked about the jobs numbers last Friday. He had good jobs numbers last Friday. We, and they say, oh, okay. And it, they'll say, well, do you like the president? And I'll say, well, that's not really relevant, uh, whether I like the president or not. I don't have to like the president of the United States. He doesn't have to like me. We all have jobs to do. Uh, and as you talk to these folks, they sort of calm down. But my sense of it, Stephen, is is that a lot of these folks, they get their impressions of what we do by watching other conservative outlets. They look at other conservative websites. And these folks are focused on the coverage of the president's behavior more so than they are the president's behavior. And to me, you know, I think that the president's behavior is, is more newsworthy than our coverage. Uh, but a lot of these folks out there, they're getting... Uh, their, their sense of what we do twisted and warped by some people out there who just want to do the president's bidding. Do you worry that the president points at y'all so much and that there's a natural need to respond as a human being that you end up being the story when that's not really the goal of, of your journalism? Right. And we're not supposed to be the story. Uh, you know, uh, that's that's not why I'm out there. Um, you know, I get accused of that from time to time. And, and my attitude is, listen, I'm, I'm allowed to care about this country just as much as anybody else. And look at the socks. Look at the socks. <laughs> and if you think that, uh, you know, you can take uh, children away from their parents on the border and put them in cages, if you think you can uh, demonize immigrants and call them rapists and criminals, if you think that you can uh, distort the uh, sense of reality that we all have on a daily basis by telling lie after lie and falsehood after falsehood and not face any hard questions, then I think that you're just not living in the same United States of America that I live in. I thought you were going to say that you might be Donald Trump. Well, there's that. You got it. Thank you, Steve. CNN, Jim Acosta, everybody. We'll be back with Nina Dobrev. How many times is he going to go on Colbert? Is this guy just a drama queen or what? Uh, Razor sums it up. Don't make me the story, he mildly said to a wildly applauding audience on a national broadcast entertainment show. Don't want to be the story? Ha, 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 ha. But I'm not going to cover the interview because it's the same old tripe. I just played it so you can vomit or if you're constipated, go take a shit because it'll make you angry and maybe your bowels will work. Jim Acosta said... In a tweet, getting ready to bring some real news to Colbert Late Night with Stephen at home. 
Hashtag not the enemy. Because he's a goob. But the picture was so horrible. And looking at himself, the smile that's kind of creepy. Like he wants to fuck himself. He reminded me a lot of the guy who silenced from the lamb. Standing in front of the mayor. I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me so hard with the tuck. Remember that scene? Creep me out for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah, that scene. That's what it looked like. So, you know. Cons had fun with it. And they did. Top 10 memes of Jim Acosta looking at himself in a mirror because he's a douche nozzle. Number one was Mirror Mirror on the Wall with a Wicked Witch. And it works. Harry Potter and his parents. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, to Jim Acosta getting shushed at the White House, a back of a bunch of heads. <laughs> one with Biden perving on him. Another one, how Jim Acosta sees himself, how the rest see Jim Acosta. And it shows a guy looking like really hideously at his teeth. Wait, what? One's got Trump in front of him. One's got uh, Trump again in front of him. Uh, perception versus reality. Acosta looking in the mirror and he sees Superman, but really it's Nicolas Cage is Superman with long hair. And the last one, uh, last two were just hilarious. One Stuart Smalley from fucking SNL skit. I like myself and I'm great. And the other one has Jim Acosta, the meme of the hot chick walking by with the girlfriend. And people impose things on it. Well, it's Jim Acosta looking at Jim Acosta looking at Jim Acosta. Which brings us to our good article. And this came from all things Vox. Vox. I mean, Vox. If Vox is dogging you, you're doing something wrong, Jim. Jim Acosta's dangerous brand of performance journalism. The CNN reporter speaking truth to power. He's also amplifying the president's anti-Trump message. The verb to accost comes from the old French that means to sail up close to a ship or shoreline. CNN Jim Acosta lived up to this patriotic, which has comparable coastal roots to the Portuguese and Spanish, when he confronts White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders with gun blazing last week, demanding to know if she shared Donald Trump's blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm-hmm. Stipulate that Sanders... Tr- Traduces the truth each waking or speaking hour. He goes on, blah, blah, blah. but he acknowledges also, please. Whenever a reporter who has not been kidnapped by terrorists, shot by an assailant, or won a big prize becomes an actor in her own story, she has lost the fight, or in this case, reinforced the corrosive, cynical, and deeply dangerous feedback loop that has convinced Trump, Trump's most fervent supporters, that his relentless brief against the press's merit fake news sad. There are perilous times for the press, and any reporter who defends First Amendment values and virtues should be applauded. I'm loath as a brother in the trade to criticize Acosta or his motives, but as a subversive British student of free expression, Noel Coward once memorably put it, there's a right way and a wrong way, there's a weak way and a strong way, take it easy, drive with caution when the road is greasy. Wait, wait, wait a bit, Joe. When Sanders began to respond to Acosta, who bears a passively salt-and-pepper-haired resemblance to George Clooney, interrupted her repeatedly, flying loud to reply with a quavering voice while visibly consulting the prepared talking points on the lectern in front of her, and she has been personally attacked by the media, mocked for her parents in the White House, and earned the dubious distinction of becoming the first press secretary to have Secret Service protection because of public harassment. All regrettable, of course, but a word cloud irrelevant to the matter at hand. 
Acosta then cut off the dialogue to demand a follow-up, which elicited yet another demur from Sanders, at which point he got up and walked out. Those watching the exchange of television would have noticed the faces of Mr. Costa's fellow correspondents, some watching with curiosity, other averting their gaze. I've never met him. By all evidence, he's a serious reporter who has paid his dues to local TV stations or traditional beats. In Sam Rayburn's skeptical parlance about the in-the-trenches deficit of JFK's brainy new frontiersman, he runs for sheriff or at least covered a few. That makes me wonder why Acosta didn't know better, why he never bought... He never thought he might have listened for Sander, who has defended her boss in ways arguably far more outrageous than the one for which he was attempting to make her repeat or repent. Any answer other than the non-answer hostile back at your response she gave. I once read some good advice from a journalist, which is Nicholas Lehman, who suggests that no pro- profile writer should ask a hostile question if he doesn't believe it will produce a meaningful, revealing answer. Did Acosta really think his interrogation of Sanders would work? Do you think it would make CNN suits up, suits sit up and say howdy? Who knows? But he has engaged in similar jousting in the past, asking Trump policy advisor Stephen Miller how the poem on the base of the Statue of Liberty with its lines, give me your tired, your blah, 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 could possibly jive with Trump's harsh anti-immigration policy. The prickly question produced a pedantic, not entirely accurate answer from Miller that the poem was added to the statue base after the erection, which is actually true. Perhaps the best advice for Costa and the rest of us comes from Martin Barone, the executive editor of the Washington Post and one of the contemporary Americans' most respected journalists on his acceptance of the Leadership Award last year. The president has said he is in a war with the press. Barron Barron said then, I can say this, we are not at war, we're at work, just doing our job. Indeed, it is the working journalist's first maxim to show, not tell, to do, not say, to explain, not exhort, or omit, and not be the story. Wow. Getting taken to task by Vox. That's fucking horrible. You know, it's not Trump supporters. Every podcast, I keep saying, it's not just Trump supporters. Here's a fucking article by CNN. If white parents want to raise children who play a role in creating a just and inclusive society, we've got to start talking about race. Here are some concrete steps for parents can take from CNN. And they're basically, you're a piece of shit because you're white. Wow. Derek Hunter asks, this piece is not labeled as an opinion or commentary, just under health. You report things that aren't news. Yeah. You report things that aren't news. You make social justice things news. And anybody with their salt knows the following that I put on the show about 20 times. You had a hunch the news system was rigged and you couldn't put your finger on it? ABC News executive producer Ian Cameron, married to Susan Rice. CBS president David Rhodes, brothers with Ben Rhodes. ABC News correspondent Claire Shipman, married to Jay Carney. ABC News and Univision reporter Matthew Jagg, Katie Hogue, Hogan, sorry. ABC president Ben Sherwood is the brother special advisor to Obama, Elizabeth Sherwood. CNN President Virginia Mosley is married to Hillary Clinton's Deputy Secretary Tom Nides. Just a tip. Just a tip. Yeah. 
Then we got Brian Seltzer showing again why CNN's a fucking joke. Composite of Fox News audience, 2018 to date, 94% white, 3% Hispanic, 2% Asian, 1% black. Steel, the real steel. Just looked, a composite of CNN's audience is 88, 80% airport, 19% McDonald's, one CNN per, per, employee going further and breaking their employees down, 100% clowns. <laughs> but you compare it to NPR, if you were a reporter, Brian Seltzer, 87% white, 6% Hispanic, 5% black, 4% Asian. You can't even find demo on CNN. The country is 70-something percent white. You want white people not to watch TV? Do you? And how about this? We're talking for weeks about the fight against media. We're going to get the big fucking money shot in a second about what's going to happen this Thursday. But you got de Blasio saying horrible shit. Fucking Democratic senators calling the cops on reporters. We got another story on de Blasio in a few seconds. And then you bring de Blasio on your show, Brian Seltzer. And he says this. Media uh, coming from the left may have appealed to 2020 Democratic primary, but isn't it rather Trumpian? Mayor Bill de Blasio joins me now here uh, on set. Uh, Mayor, thanks for coming over. Thank you, Brian. What is your critique of Murdoch? Uh, you quoted recently by The Guardian saying, imagine the country if Murdoch had never had papers or networks here. Right. We would be a more unified country. There would be less overt hate. There would be less appeal, racial division. I guarantee it, because what Murdoch did through Fox News and the New York Post and others is to create a dynamic where that stuff could come out in the open. We saw it in New York City for years and years. Hmm. where uh, race was infused into the dialogue in a very negative way, and it was a, a sort of an apocalyptic vision was created of the notion of going back to a time of crime and decay and always putting that through a lens of people of color as the villains. Uh, whether you're talking about Central Park Five or uh, so many other instances, certainly you saw that around the election of David Dinkins in New York, the way hmm. he was vilified by the Post throughout his mayorality. See it on a national level as too. They don't just dog whistle. They go a lot farther than that. They put race front and center and they try and stir the most negative impulses in this country. There is no Donald Trump without News Corp. I firmly believe that. He never gets to the presidency because he's never been elevated the way he was consistently for years and years. So I believe in a free, strong media with diverse views. I'll defend it with all I got. But we have to be able to call out when a particular company has a corporate agenda has a political agenda and has very effectively changed the American discourse. And by the way, when I was growing up with, I think, some real heroes of journalism, Walter Kreitz, an obvious one, and uh, Murrow and so many others before him, they set a tone of evenness, respect. The civil rights movement of the 60s got a fair hearing because the American media gave them that opportunity to be heard. Today, you have one outlet and one outlet only that is constantly sowing division. And Guy Benson nails it and gets a 10 from even the Russian judge. For all the consternation, Trump's anti-press demagoguery, it's elements of the hard left that have actually assaulted journalists during mostly peaceful protests. This violence were perpetrated perpetrated by right-wingers. Media panic over dangerous rhetoric would be off the charts. 
Notice how I left that out. They're beating the press. Beating them! Then you got McConish. Vote now. What was the most more respon what was more responsible for Hillary Clinton's loss? Those who voted third party or those who did not vote? We are fucking nineteen months after an election. Then you got CNN in the Hill. Black GOP Senator Trump has taken steps to move us in a better direction, says Charlottesville. His name's Tim Scott. You talk about an African American like he's a thing. Yeah. So we go into our bias 101. It speaks for itself. All right, we are more than 18 months into the Trump presidency, so we thought it would be a good time to check in with Trump voters to see how they're feeling today. I sat down with a panel of people from California, Texas, Ohio, and New York, all of whom voted for Donald Trump. At one time, these folks were all on the same side, excited about this outsider running for president. But as you'll see, times have changed, and today some very feel very differently. So here now, our next Pulse of the People. How many of you are still just as excited today as you were on Election Day about President Trump? Maybe more so. And how many of you, the rest, would you say that you regret your votes? Raise your hands. I'm disappointed. Why are you more excited today than you were? You know, I came in with some trepidation based on his previous record. He's the most pro-life president we've had more than Reagan. He's done a substantial job protecting the Second Amendment, securing our border, deporting illegal aliens. He made a list of promises. He's coming through on many of them. Jeremy, what do you regret about your vote? Uh, In my mind and the way I look at him now, I think he's a monster. I think he's a bigot. I think that he's doing a lot of things to ruin people's lives. Um, I don't think that he has, I think that he's taking this country in the wrong direction and it's a terrifying time for me. Was there a moment that turned you? It was when I heard about um, what was going on on the southern border. What part did you object to? Uh, The family separation and uh, the children in cages. I would chime in just really quick. You've got parents who are breaking the law, bringing their kids here. If you don't want to be separated from your family, don't come to the country illegally. You're having individuals coming from Central or even South America risking their lives and their children's lives. Because their lives are at risk at home. And they can go to an embassy and be safe there. Absolutely. There's also a... In the country of Mexico. But you can do it. It is legal here to go to a port of entry and seek asylum. It was President Trump that started the zero tolerance. So you used to be able to stay together. You couldn't under the zero tolerance. Keep in mind also, we have these minors that are now getting excellent care. They're getting very good housing. But that's not board. the point. That is not the point. And I mean, I'm a lawyer, and re- I can tell you, first of all, there were 2,500 pe- uh, children that came here. They, they came were not here, reconnected. They did come here legally. Yeah. No one's really talked about the unaccompanied minors that are being brought here by people that are, are looking to sex traffic these children. Yeah, but, but, but listen, human trafficking is a talked about that. The thing that people, that got everyone's attention was that people who were not self sex traffickers were bringing their kids and they got separated and 572 of them may never see their parents again. Thanks to the you know, you exactly. were they really the parents? Even the after Trump's when you own directive, were they really the parents? Hold on, we haven't heard yet from Chris. Go ahead. This is the problem with with what the president is doing. He's able to divide us on these issues where we're now fighting amongst ourselves. You know, you look at at Charlottesville, you look at the separation of the families on the border, you just look at the at the tweeting. I've never seen an individual who is so good at connecting with sort of average people that has no ability to really 
communicate or control the way he communicates. I think it's disingenuous to say that President Trump is wholly responsible for the bifurcation that we see across party lines right now. But is he helping it? I don't think that necessarily some of the things that he says could be said in a more polished manner. My issue with this president, who I voted for is the fact that he has something negative to say about every other leader. But you try saying one little comment that's negative about Trump himself. He jumps into a fit and he has this Twitter tirade. You know, we have a lot of, really, I mean, I have to be crass about it, idiots who voted for him, including myself at, at one time. I take great offense. I'm not an idiot. It's a wise decision that people vote. It was a wise decision for Michiganders, for Wisconsinites, for Pennsylvanians, for working Americans who were tired of their jobs being taken away, shipped overseas, or taken by illegals. Oh, I ahead. want to apologize to the nation for my vote for him. It was the wrong thing to do. It was the biggest mistake I ever made. Like I said, he is a racist. Why do you believe he's racist? Why do I believe he's racist? Look what happened in Puerto Rico. He said, oh, they want to just uh, cry and, you know, they needed help. Just because they're not white-skinned, he doesn't want to go down there and help them out? So uh, I, I take great offense to the fact that you felt the need to apologize on the behalf of the entire nation because that also seems, that, 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 to that, that says to me that you are invalidating the validity of my vote no, and the reason the reasons, I think the reasons why I voted for Donald Trump is because based on my perception of him he is not a racist and he has done so much he has done so much for the black community how do you explain the tweet about LeBron James and Don Lemon I watched that I watched that interview but he, 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 I mean, and, and the yeah. president has done this before. He's called people of color. He, he's called them ignorant. ignorant. He's called them dumb. He's called white he's people called that, too. That's he right. says, John Lemon and LeBron James and Maxine Waters. How do you explain that? When you call someone's, when you call someone's intellect into question, it has nothing to do with race. I work with a lot of Hispanic evangelicals who are very pro-life. Hispanics care about God, family, jobs, education top things for us. The tr uh, President Trump is delivering on those things. Right. So all this other good. rhetoric, no, that's all, all this other that. rhetoric of, oh, he tweeted this or he did this. I don't really care about you that. You don't care about that. I care you about, don't care I about, care about, about, about God, You're free to family, exactly. God, family, understood. jobs, great. and education. And you made a great point about that. And so Thank as you. somebody who is, so, who is driven by her faith um, and cares about God and family, do any of the personal peccadillos give you pause? The Playboy... Uh, model who was paid off the payments to Stormy Daniels, the lies about affairs. Does any of that give you pause? You know, um, we are taught as Christians to be forgiving. I'm not going to get into his personal life. That 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 was not something that I weighed in to to go vote for him. Does it make you anything was better than Hillary? But, but Absolutely. When you hear about the Playboy stuff, does it make you uncomfortable? No, I'm not here to, to judge about what he did on his miscellaneous uh, activities or what he was doing outside of his bedroom. That is not what I voted for him to do. I voted for him for his policies and his agenda to put this country back on track. One more time. That was not Clinton voters versus Trump voters. Those were all Trump voters. I'd say I, I find it fascinating when you bring these people together. And we talk about the phenomenon in the country right now where the president's approval rating, despite a booming economy, has a ceiling at 42 to 45 percent. What you see there is the ceiling. You see that even some people who voted for Donald Trump will not support him because of the policies he has at the southern border or just negativity or perhaps foreign policy there. And unless he replaces some of these people with people who voted against him, mm -hmm. That could be trouble. Now, maybe that will happen if the economy improves. It'll be interesting to see as you continue to do these if you get people 
who have been won over since the election. But if he loses some people who wanted a change of flavor and now don't like the flavor they're tasting, it'll be a problem. And I think that another thing to point out is that you can hear how his voters, who are still his staunchest defenders, who are passionate about him, compartmentalize the other stuff. So the stuff that has turned some people off, you could hear there from Bianca at the end that she is able to, though she considers herself a woman of faith and family, she compartmentalizes that and doesn't look at the stuff that might have offended her in the past because she likes Trump's policies. And, and so the much. feeling that he's delivered on his promises, you see an increase in some cases in intensity of support. All of it. So you heard it. It's another one of those segments. I was a Trump supporter. He's a piece of shit. Well, was he a Trump supporter? All right, so you know how CNN has panels sometimes where they have Trump supporters on. They ask Trump supporters how they think Trump's doing with the economy, if they regret their vote for Trump and things like that. Well, they had another panel like this, except this time they planted a guy who was always against Trump, who's a devout leftist, far-left socialist, always hated Trump. And the reason why we know this is because we have people who know this guy, who's seen his posts from the past, who has seen some of the videos that he has posted from the past, and know that this guy never, ever voted for Trump, but yet CNN planted this guy purposely to kind of portray him as like this this, this Trump voter that completely regrets his decision voting for Trump. And I'm going to bring you this evidence today, but also Arthur Shopper was someone else who they picked for this panel. And as you know, he's been on our channel quite a bit, debating different people on different topics. And also, if you've been a longer subscriber, you probably remember us having to go into the thick of things in Berkeley and rescue him while he was surrounded by this horde of Antifa members spitting on him. That was a pretty intense video. That was from a live stream when we went to Berkeley a couple years back, or almost two years back now. But he was on this panel as well, and he knew also right away that this guy was never a Trump voter. And the CNN planted him. Now, this is fake news. This is why they call CNN fake news. And this is, I hope, I hope people see this, because the majority of Americans probably think this guy's an actual Trump supporter or was a Trump voter. He never voted for Trump. This is clear and obvious to the people who actually know this guy, who have seen his post that I have screenshotted and some of the videos that I have saved. But first, let's go to the question by CNN and see his answer. All right, we are more than 18 months into the Trump presidency, so we thought it would be a good time to check in with Trump voters to see how they're feeling today. I sat down with a panel of people from California, Texas, Ohio, and New York, all of whom voted for Donald Trump. At one time, these folks were all on the same side, excited about this outsider running for president. But as you'll see, times have changed, and today some very feel very differently. So here now, our next Pulse of the People. How many of you are still just as excited today as you were on Election Day about President Trump? Maybe more so. And how many of you, the rest, would you say that you regret your votes? Raise your hands. See that guy with the black shirt and blue tie right there? He's the only one who raises his hand saying that he absolutely regrets his vote. He's the one that openly, completely says that he completely regrets his vote. And he goes on to give a reason. And this is The Plant by CNN. Let's continue. Jeremy, what do you regret about your vote? Uh, in my mind, on the way I look at him now, I think he's a monster. I think he's a bigot. I think that he's doing a lot of things to ruin people's lives. Um, I don't think that he has, I think that he's taking this country in the wrong direction, and it's a terrifying time for me. There you go. He's a bigot. He's a monster. He's taking this country in the wrong direction. He's ruining people's lives. Well, Mr. Jeremy, we know 
that you never voted for Trump and that CNN picked you to be a plant on this panel. Number one, we know this because of this post where you say that you're a socialist. And also from this post where you talked about the Las Vegas shooting and how we should be banning firearms. I'm not talking about hunting rifles, even though, I mean, if I had to vote for them to be banned, would I? Absolutely. The guy that killed the 50. And the son of a fuck that killed uh, Christina Grimmie. If they did not have access to those weapons, all of those people would still be alive. It has nothing to do with terrorism. It has nothing to do with religion. It has to do with the fact that they were able to have those. Combat weapons should be just as hard, if not harder to get than illegal drugs. If anybody that I'm speaking to now, that's supposedly one of my friends, supports anyone being able to own a weapon like that, please remove yourself. I ask you kindly. I am disgusted and appalled by it, but that's your choice. But I will not associate myself with people like that. All right, so typical leftist, typical far-left socialist, as his post said on his Facebook page. Now, he also locked down his Twitter because people were figuring out who he really was. Uh, people have come out who've known this guy and said this guy was never a Trump supporter. This guy never voted for Trump. He's a far-left socialist. He hates Trump. He hates guns, as you can see there. He doesn't, uh, as a, you know, according to his video there, you can see, and according to some of the people that I've talked to. Uh, that know this guy, or have known this guy, or have encountered this guy. And also, he talked about the Orlando shooting that happened. Remember the nightclub where the, uh, the, the, the Islamic, uh, terrorist walked into a nightclub and shot 50 people? He talked about that as well, and also talked about having access to weapons. Here is that clip now. I do not believe that it was an Islamic terrorist act. And everybody that's trying to say it was just wants to mask the fact that had he not been able to get access to those weapons, those people would still be alive. Had the murderer who killed Christina Grimmie had not access to his weapon, she would still be alive. It makes me disgusted at the majority of this country, but then what can I expect anything less from, you know, a majority of half the population nominating a person like Donald Trump. Anything less from, you know, a majority of half the population nominating a person like Donald Trump. Nominating a person like Donald Trump. Yeah, so, <laughs> this guy never voted for Trump. Nice nice try, CNN. Nice try picking this guy, uh, planting this guy. Nice job trying to pull the wool over the eyes of the American people and planting this guy within this panel as the guy who regrets his vote for Trump. This is why people call you fake news. This is why if anyone should be banned, I don't think anyone should be banned, but if anyone were to be banned for fake news or spreading conspiracy theories or something like that, it should be you. It should be CNN. Because you have retracted more stories than even Fox News does, and I call them propaganda as well. How's that black hole doing that Don Lemon said swallowed that airplane that one time? I mean, 
Do you guys, you guys talk about Alex Jones spreading conspiracy theories, but you have one of your main pundits talking about black holes swallowing airplanes. And now you're planting a guy who you try to pass off as a previous Trump supporter who regrets his vote, but yet come to find out he's a far left socialist who hate guns and always hated Trump according to the people that we've talked to, and seemingly from the posts on his Facebook page. Those were all Trump voters. I'd say I, I find it fascinating when you bring these people together, and we talk about the phenomenon in the country right now where the president's approval rating, despite a booming economy, has a ceiling at 42 to 45 percent. What you see there is the ceiling. You see that even some people who voted for Donald Trump will not support him because of the policies he has at the southern border. I'll let, leave it up to you guys. What do you think? Do you think that this guy's a plant or and, and believe the people who say that they know this guy, who sent me these videos, who sent me these pictures, who sent me these posts? He locked down his Twitter account. Do you believe that this guy voted actually voted for Trump, or do you think that he is certainly a plant by CNN, which is a, it seemingly this seems to be the case? I believe the latter. I think he's a plant by CNN. And I think that this is a big reason why a lot of people call CNN fake news. You've seen them stage things at protests before. You've seen them stage protests before. You've seen them sit at the end of streets and pretend like they were both, like two different reporters were at different locations when they were in the same exact location, but they wanted to make the viewer think that their, their reporters were at two different locations. Okay, this is what CNN does. This is what the mainstream media does as a whole. And I believe, personally, I believe the people who are telling me they know the guy, who sent me these posts and these videos, and there you go, his own post, calling himself a, a far-left socialist, his own posts that were that are vehemently anti-Trump today, tons of posts, tons of pictures of him being against Trump, I believe that this is certainly a plant by CNN to touch on the issues that they exactly wanted to talk about and get people kind of argue. It's fake. It's totally fake. It, it's just like a whole media. It's just fake. It's propaganda for political parties. On Fox, it's for Republicans, and everybody else is for Democrats. And then we talked earlier about the ban they want on Ingram. They want the ban on... Uh, Hannity, they want the bans, all these political activists on Twitter. Here's fucking Nicole Wallace asking, just like Jennifer Rubin in the media, and Media Matters, for Laura Ingram to be banned. Holly Sykes, you know what needs to happen? A Republican with um, a body part I won't say, should find a body part I will say, a spine and call on all Republicans to boycott Laura Ingram's program until she apologizes for articulating and embracing a racist ideology like disparaging legal immigration. That is a bridge I have never heard championed by Republicans. Never. John McCain as a candidate attacked one of his own supporters for right. calling Barack Obama a Muslim. George W. I, I mean, again, I, I agree it's a recessive gene in the Republican Party, but the Republican yeah. Party's good leaders, the ones that won elections, they celebrated legal immigrants and illegal immigrants who right. came to this country. I mean, Jeb Bush was run out of the GOP primary for saying illegal immigration was an act of love. Now you've got one yeah. of the prime hosts at, at another network articulating something cheered on by David Duke? What's happening? 
Well, I mean, what's happened over the last several years? I mean, compare what Ronald Reagan said in his, uh, you know, shining city on a hill speech, his vision of America to what we're having right now. But again, you know, you know, this has been happening over there for some time. You know, Tucker Carlson has been engaging in this, this kind of nativist rhetoric. And again, the president of the United States, it's not just Steve Bannon. Look, this is one of the animating ideas now that we have to take America back from people who have like distorted what we were what the, the the country that we were back in the 1950s making the news about the news about the news that's the overall writing theme of everything it's about them then you get this money shot thomas friedman media should work together to hurt trump an actual article So Brian Seltzer takes his thought, reaches out to the Boston Globe, and now on this Thursday, news media, 100 newspapers, they're all going to come out and do an op-ed against Trump's war on the media. That's what our media is going to do. A universal condemnation of the President of the United States Rightly saying, you motherfuckers are biased. And just to jab it in, news this week, Aaron Blake. Trump posed with a biker wearing a patch that says, I love titties and guns. The patch features a drawing of a woman naked torso and breast and a pair of handguns atop her nipples. Actual Washington Post article, Trump poses with supporter with sexist patch and motorcycle event. That's the news. That's news. That's our media. And in the beginning of this show, I played Antifa beating the fuck out of reporters and racially slurring cops. That's not news. Stats of the day. Gallup, for the first time in Gallup measurement over the past decades, Democrats have a more positive image of socialism. And in that vein, Ben Shapiro asked uh, Ascala Galabala to do, he'll pay her $10,000 or donate $10,000 to her if she'll do a debate. This is what her reply was. This is what her reply was. Just like catcalling, I don't owe response to unsolicited requests from men with bad intentions. And also like catcalling, for some reason, they feel entitled to one. His reply, discussion and debate are not bad intentions. Slandering someone as a sexist catcaller without reason or evidence does demonstrate cowardice and bad intent, however. Be sure, go with the Orthodox Jew who has never catcalled a woman in his life is actually a sexist catcaller for asking for a discussion or debate. I'm sure your media sycophants will eat it up. And they did. All blue checks ran with that this week that that was catcalling. Hmm. Stephen Miller had a funny way to say it. Damn, girl, tariffs not only impose immense economic costs, but also fail to achieve their primary policy aims and foster political dysfunction along the way. You look hot. What the fucking shit in hell is that? Carol Costello from CNN. She was on it. Sigh. 
Seriously, Ben, this is a silly stunt. The entire world tweeted back to Carol Costello pictures of David Hogg. That was a stunt. Then she went out and she literally introduced a Miami, somebody in Miami that's running for office and forgot to actually introduce him. Then this came out. America, if you don't already know, Ilman Omar, it's time to know and support her. She's a modern day hero champion for working middle working families and running for Congress in Minnesota. Her election is this Tuesday. Time to push her in. Her tweets, Israel has hypnotized the world. May Allah awaken the people and help them see the evil doings of Israel. Hmm. Then they fact-checked Alexander Acosta-Cortez. Everyone has two jobs, only 5.2% do. ICE requires to detain 34,000 people each day. False. Upper middle class doesn't exist. It grows 16%. Medicare for all be cheaper. It would cost $33 million over 10 years. That's the Washington Post. Yeah. There you go. Other stats. NBC has a new sexual harassment story coming. The Daily Business is working on it. We'll hear about it soon. And what the fuck is wrong with them? What the fuck is wrong with them? Then we find out Avanti now is thinking about running for president. And he's a registered Democrat. Stephen Miller asks, you mean CNN has been putting a guy on their air four nights a week and passing him off as just an attorney who's now an admitted out-and-out Democrat? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. What do you what do you what do you expect? It, it is it is what we got. It is what we got. Then we have this this week: a Mexican restaurant defends serving sessions. We do not support the government immigration policy. He went there and ate the meal. They got attacked all over Google and everything for giving him food. They weren't supposed to serve him. The mob doth saith no service. You're not supposed to serve people like that. That, that's that's another day in the life of 2018. Then there was another survey that found out the majority of Trump voters still have very f- warm feelings for him. It's pretty high. 87% of Trump voters still like him. But the same can't be said for Madam Secretary. A breakdown of Obama and Trump, same time period. Trump, 50% approval. Obama, 45. Unemployment, 3.9. Obama, 9.4. 3.2 million jobs created, negative 2.9. Deficit, 532 billion. Obama, 936. GDP, 4.1. GDP for Obama, 1.6. To further make it worse, Trump's welfare ban on immigrants, which he's pushing for now, would save America $57 billion. And my last stat, and then we go to music break and do social media nuggets. Fast facts from Charlie Kirk. Researched it. It's true. 13th Amendment, 
abolish the slavery. Republicans, 100% support. Democrats, 23. 15th Amendment, right to vote for all for all Republicans support 100, Democrats 0. 14th Amendment gave citizenship to freed slaves and is what's used all the time for the left to go transgender and everything else. Republicans support 94, Democrats support 0. That's your history. So when you walk on your TV as a minority or you walk or you watch your TV and you see them talking about how everybody's racist on the right. The real racist was the Democratic Party. Any way you want to cut it. And to end on a more happier note, this week Al Roker said that because of climate, global cooling, warming change, we're having fewer hurricanes. I just want you to go back to Katrina. Just remember what they were saying. This is the norm. This is what we're going with. And it's Bush's fault. So, music break, news, social, media, nuggets.
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Our generation, man, all you people, we're all together, man, and it's groovy. And dig yourselves, because it's really groovy. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. It's a whole new ball game on campus these days, and they call it PC. PC? Politically correct. And it's not just politics, it's everything. It's what you eat, it's what you wear, and it's what you say. If you don't watch yourself... Military Corner, put down that chow hall plate. Celebrity Burger Chain is bringing flavor on the base. I watched this episode because I'm a geek and every once in a while I watch the Wahlburgers. They're going to be putting Wahlburgers restaurants... Fort Benning, the first one's going to go into Fort Lewis, Joint Base Lewis-McChord, and instead of the Fresh Burgers, they're going to be bringing some frozen meat, because that's the only way they can pull it off, but their intent is to have wall burgers on all bases. That is fantastic. Uh, we're heading to Pensacola in September. We're literally going to go to Orange Beach for the day to see it, because we've never been there. And while we're there... We're going to go to Wahlburgers because there's one in Foley, uh, just north in uh, Foley, Alabama. Always wanted a Wahlburger, so I'm a geek. The most overused and annoying military phrases ever. Long pole in the tent, Owen, by the way, and getting blown up shot could ruin your whole day. Bottom line up front, zero dark 30, zero dark 100. All of us are smarter than any of us. Never heard that one. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Okay, that's old. Stand by to stand by. Uh, Hurry up and wait. Too easy. Only easy day was yesterday. Get what you inspect. I've never used that one. Needs of the service. Yeah. Uh, Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Shut the fuck up. I love that. I have a patch on my seat cover to my Jeep because I have those geeky ones with the Velcro. Boots on the ground. uh, Warm and fuzzy. Stay in your lane. I still use that one. Show me your war face. Just to piggyback on what the CO said. Yeah, okay, I've done that one. High speed, low drag, dog and pony show. You're shit hot. Yeah, I've heard that one. Got a lot of moving parts today. Break, break. Are you tracking? It would behoove you. Tell that article's all written by privates. DOD to stand up Space Force is an independent military branch, Vice President says. They have two patches. I think it's a great idea, not because Trump came up with it, but I think we need to shoot for something. We should be on fucking Mars. If that motherfucker could get up there, guy from Goodwill Hunting, I hate that motherfucker, he's political. But if he can get there and make it on his own, we all can. Okay, I know that was a movie. But at the end of the day, we need something. Maybe we could stop being asshats and burning down cities and fucking hating each other over politics. If we had a goal... I don't know. I mean, I don't think JFK was the greatest president ever because he was just JFK. I think JFK was the greatest president ever because he put us on the fucking moon. He gave everybody a vision in a time we needed a vision. 
because there was a lot of problems. Two are college crazy. Warning, colleges may reject you based on whom you follow on social media. Are you fucking serious? Prospective college students, beware. University administrators are not only going through your educational history and social media feeds to see what you've said in the past. They're now looking for discrimination, discriminate against you based on whom you follow. In a post on his website, Shear Social Media, attorney Bradley Shear told the story of a client who was asked by a prestigious college why he followed conspiracy theorist Alex Jones on Twitter. Shear, a 17-year-old client, and never liked or retweeted any content. He just followed it. But just following Jones was enough for him to be questioned. When Shear looked into the digital history of the college admissions interviewer who asked the teenagers about Jones, he discovered that she was a fan of Bernie Sanders, a socialist. Shear contacted the interviewer and stressed that such discrimination was unacceptable. The college didn't want any negative publicity about the matter, so it quickly went away. But this particular client was lucky. According to Shear, many other students are rejected based on their social media history, including whom they follow. You know, they follow that person because they don't like them. Many college admission offices, such as Harvard, are encouraging anyone who has a digital dirt on an applicant or accept accepted students to send it to the admissions department so they can reject or an applicant or evoke an offer. Sweet Jesus. This happens regularly and finally made an international headlines last year when Harvard revoked offers to at least 10 applicants based on their digital footprint. Uh, you know what? If I was raising kids, I'd tell them not to have Twitter. Professor allegedly assaults YouTuber who slams social justice gaming. What are we, five? Professor threatened to fight people who criticize social justice activists allegedly put a well-known YouTuber who had slammed identity politics and gaming in a headlock and repeatedly punched him in the face. There's actually a video of this. I, I didn't grab it. Witnesses said that when Hambly escaped from the headlock, another cust- a customer barred Loader from pursuing him, prompting Loader to punch and break a glass window at the bar. The backstory to the legend incident goes like this. Hambly had made a YouTube video slamming G- Gen Con for hosting social justice activist Anita Sarkeesian. He stated, why would you bring the most toxic, the most divisive person in gaming to the world's biggest gaming convention? Roughly a week later, Humbly saw this tweet by Loader. As Tony Arkinson at Gampus Reform reports, multiple witnesses attest that after Gen Con, an annual gaming conference settled in Annapolis, they got in the fight, and the, and the professor said, I'm going to fucking kill you. I want to sign up for his class. He sounds lit as fuck. I, I said it, sorry. I wanted to see if I can get lit in here once. Just, just to do it. Should I do it again? No, I won't. Exclusive pro-life professor Larry's response to being turned away by a California university. California State University San Marcos informed a pro-life student organization last year that it would not help pay for the group to host Mike S. Adams, 
pro-life criminology professor at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, and Daily Wire contributor. In response, Adams pointed the students' group to Alliance Defending Freedom, a conservative Christian nonprofit organization, which has taken legal action against the university. In an interview with Daily Wire, Adams demonstrated why he became so a free, free, pro-free speech force to be reckoned with in academia and why so many conservatives love him. The lawsuit against SCUSM stems from an all-too-familiar sequence of events. A conservative group, Students for Life, asked the Student Association to use funds provided by the students' activity fees to help host a conservative speaker, Adams, so he could express his views on abortion at the Student for Life event. The quest was denied. ADF maintained that the problem with the decision is that it reveals a double standard that constitutes viewpoint discrimination against pro-life students. ADF Sarah Kelmer reports... Students for Life cannot receive more than 500 in funding per semester and cannot use that funding for speakers. But Students for Life President Nathan Apodica knew that this was not the case for a handful of favored center groups on campus. For example, the Gender Equality Center and the LGBTQAEIAO Cosign of Ford Pride Center received more than 296000 in student activity funding combined and regularly use those funds to bring in outside speakers and host events such as Kink 101, a workshop and discussion of bondage, dominant sadism, and masochism. With over 100 student groups on campus, that translates to roughly 2% of the student organizations on campus receive over 22% of the student activity fee funding. That just didn't add up. Wow. Doesn't surprise me. Study conservative students feel pressure to self-center. The reason why my son left college. A new study reveals that conservative college students cope with left-leaning professors by self-censoring during class discussion and parenting their professors' political views on homework assignments. The lead research notes that professors who push leftist ideology in class not only derail the learning experience of conservative students, but also deprive liberal students of the chance to have their ideas challenged I know I shouldn't have read this one because it's like saying water's fucking wet, but yeah, it's rampant. Professor predicts Trump voters will riot when Trump leaves office, even though we'll call them peaceful protests, maybe, because it works for the media. We'll call it a peaceful protest. A University of Albany professor predicts that Trump voters will provoke violence on the grand scale when Trump departs the Oval Office, even if Trump completes two terms. Julie Novak argues that Trump's core supporters, who she calls Trumpers, have an unusual deep emotional attachment to Trump because he tapped into their white racial resentment and anxiety and anger about immigration. So all these Hillary people out in the street fucking shit up, they didn't have a core attachment to her free! And another water is wet moment. Poll. Majority of professors think Trump will be impeached. They did a survey of 600 of its members, 63% of whom said they expect Trump to be impeached. Among those who anticipate Trump's impeachment, 33% predict it will happen in the next six months, while another 34% believe it will happen in a year. Conversely, a majority of American voters, 54%, do not think there's enough evidence impeach Trump, but that doesn't really matter because facts are not part of this equation. Professor allows students to pick their own grade. Contact grading building a revolutionary education process. 
A literature class at Davidson College this fall will use contract grading, allowing students to pick ahead of time the grade for the class and the workload they need to complete to earn it. The offer is posed by Professor Melissa Gonzalez for Introduction to Spanish Literature and Culture Course, SPA 270, at a private liberal arts college in Davidson, North Carolina. She is one of several professors across the nation who allow their pick-your-own-grade method built as a way to eliminate the student-professor power differential and give students control of their education. And we call it, in the real world, a participation pro trophy. To MRC's alt-left-insanity insanity Woke knitting is craftivism. Really. I read this to my wife. She almost peed herself laughing. When I managed to finish my first pussy hat, though, I was overjoyed. That's an actual line from an article in Slate about politicized knitting. Which I didn't know was a thing. It seems that it's a thing with the community and you can buy Donald Trump pincushions on Etsy. Who isn't that nice? Emily Macatello, the author, writes that she took up knitting in response to some men she worked with at a British university being boorish and condescending. She wasn't good at it to start with, but she had a lot of important thought about craftivism. Knitting and female activism have a long history, she tells us. Oh, they do. As do attempts to trivialize and undermine knitting by those who feel threatened by female political action. Wow, women knitters are a victim group now. Congrats. Well, I definitely am threatened by the awesome power of Maclow's estrogen-fueled needles. Let's be honest, further trivializing political knitting takes more skill than I possess, the author says. And my various plots to undermine knitting, blunting needles, hiding thimbles, even scheming to disrupt the worldwide yarn distribution system, have come to naught. Maclow details all the important epochs in a woman's knitting stuff. World War I, World War II, American wartime knitting propaganda also foreshadowed the importance of craftivism and I can read no more get the fuck out of here other things he's dug up first they came from Robert E. Lee where's the outrage over racist pioneer monuments sputters an alternate article by Cynthia Prescott where indeed there are still vestiges of American history out there yet to be erased altered or at the very least shamed let's get a move on it people the Buddha's not going to blow himself up <laughs> that's a good that's a good Taliban reference not satisfied with vanquishing dozens of Confederate monuments to, to the memory hole lefties like Mullah Cynthia are le- looking west Igne, Igne, indignant that Americans have had the bad taste to celebrate building a nation she give a long history of pioneer monuments detailing the inhuman horrors of various examples. White men claiming land and building farms and cities in the West. Pioneer women in sunbonnets stood for white civilization, winning in the West. And they offered a conservative model of womanhood to contrast flappers wearing short dresses and bobbed hair and women growing sexual freedom. A San Francisco monument depiction of Spanish missionary and Mexican vaquero or cowboy towering over an American Indian is demeaning to American Indians. Denver's monument features a frontiersman and an American Indian fighter, Kit Carson, on a horseback. Monstrous! So she wants all those done. Then they found another one, which I thought was pretty funny. Too gay for the gays. You learn something new every day. It turns out even gay guys have a that's-so-gay threshold. Huffington Post Queer Voices section tells us of an actor, Corey Campercholi, who is discriminated against within the LGBT community because he's too femme 
It would go on a hookup apps, dating apps, and I would see a lot of no fams, mask only. In the video, he states, I would go out to gay bars and see how masculinity was so prized. Who knew? But it's not like being a member of a victim group within a victim group isn't without its advantages these days. Camparoli says the way that femme people are looked down upon in the community is 100% a symptom of misogyny. Oh, fuck me. This stuff is just... No. So we get out of that and go into CNN money. Remember I just said CNN fucking money. What does this have to do with money? I don't know. Other than I guess if you do it, you're going to lose your money? Or you're going to lose your job? I don't, I don't know. Don't say hey guys in the workplace anymore. CNN says that's something you shouldn't do. And then after our uh, trans can't be played by cis fucking actors bullshit... New York theater trans advocates lay down the law for sketch comedy. So they wrote a flyer and because I care about you and I want you to be prepared for the stupidity. Here it is. Here are some of the rules the writers like to see implemented. Cis men who play cis women and vice versa must not be a joke. They write. Man in a dress is a comedy trope that's transphobic. Okay. Two, answers whether cis people can play trans NB roles. The flyer writer says, no, it's that simple. Ask, can I use the term straight man? The writer responds, nope, use the term voice of reason. What? Asked, what do I do if I misgender people? The writer answers, don't misgender people, period. Apologize and move on if you fucked up. Asked, why is everyone expected to focus on our support of trans NB people? The writer pontificates, we adjust for other people because we respect people. We already... We already know what sexist, racist, ableist, so on. Now you know what's transphobic. We adjust because we're good people. If you're not a good person, you shouldn't be doing sketch comedy. Y'all need to fucking lighten up. Then there's Jerry O'Connell. He came out with Real Men Watch Bravo, a cute show. Going to be showing after stuff like the gay guy does every night. But because he put real men in there, the world lost its mind. And he perp-walked on Twitter saying, I am so sorry that I did this. Sean Struzik summed up my beliefs. Oh my God, are we that sensitive now? Holy shit, grow a set, America. Yeah, we do. Then there's this article. Hallmark discovers an undeserved audience. fucked up. Here it is. Companies seem like an unlikely team trying to save American culture from Hollywood ongoing politicization and smut, yet here they are creating high quality, apolitical, and original family-friendly movies and shows that the entertainment industry has been ignoring. The Manhattan Institute for Policy Research, Steve Malgala, wrote this in a January column for the Los Angeles Times. Hallmark follows a strategy that wants to find mainstream television. Its dramas and mysteries, for instance, are untouched by the violence and gore that characterize so much of crime TV these days. And Hallmark romantic dramas have happy endings. Not surprisingly, the two networks do best with this, this programming outside the nature, nation's major urban markets where Clinton voters dominate. Viewership is up 50% higher in smaller markets. This isn't Hallmark's first foray into television. In the 50s, they started a long-running Hallmark Fall of Hall of Fame series, which was moved to a network in 2014. It won numerous awards, though, in its run. And he goes on and talks about how fucking horrible it is that people 
outside nation's major hubs get to have a TV show. God damn, he'd shit his pants if he knew I was watching the Waltons. I'm on season six. I don't remember any of it. Really wholesome. I like it. British Airway accuses sexism for booting an employee with a man bun. So that's the next thing we're going to have to worry about. Man bun. Discrimination against men with man buns? Calling it a man bun. It needs to be a head bun. A sticky bun. I don't know what the fuck we're going to call it. Because you can't have gender in that shit. I just want to talk briefly about the Horizon thing. Holy fucking sheep shit, Batman. I I, I found an article that literally said that the, the corporate Horizon didn't know the plane could do that. Because it wasn't supposed to do it. But what got in his head, and why did he kill himself? I, I don't... Maybe he fucked up? I don't know. I haven't got the whole story. Maybe Matt in Oregon can do a piece on that and send it out to us. Because, wow... That was some crazy shit. Same thing happened during the week. Another guy got in his plane. He was got to go bankrupt. So he, he got his plane up and then he went and crashed in his fucking house and killed himself and destroyed his home. Wasn't a good week in aviation history, I can tell you that much. Governor Rayner drinks chocolate milk to demonstrate his commitment to diversity. That's a real fucking thing. Diversity is the mix and inclusion is making the mix work. That was a presentation he did. On diversity. Diversity. Chocolate milk. But because he's a Democrat, that's not racist. Oh, wait a minute. Chocolate milk isn't racist. White milk is. That's what we learned on the show. Yeah, that was a whole thing. Made a skit about it. Woman gives birth while overdosing on heroin in a Burger King bathroom. That, I'm not reading the article. I just had to say that's fucking horrible. McDonald's arrive in Chicago today with a 19,000 square foot contemporary restaurant that's green and everything. This thing's a fucking monster. It's a monster of a McDonald's. It's rock and roll theme. Because they tore the other one down. Egypt, second sphinx found, ancient statue discovered during road work. They're doing some road work. And holy fucking shit, Batman, there's more sphinx. Can't wait till they uncover so I can see it. Horrible story that really pissed me the fuck off. Troopers, game camera captures father and son shooting bears and shrieking cubs and den. There was a trail cam out there and these two fuckheads were out fishing and they walked past and they saw the bear cave and they saw the bear. They came back at night, they killed the bear and then they you see them in the video like where's that noise and they realize it's the two cubs screaming so they just shoot them and kill them. And I'm not a tree hugger, but goddamn, what the fuck is wrong with you? Alright, I feel better. Survey, pet owners, happier, wealthier, and more fit than non-owners. I put that in the beginning of uh, about to go to lighter fair because um, if you saw my body composition and my wife's got a million fucking animals in this goddamn house, that survey is off the rails. That is not even close. I mean, I'm half I'm healthy, I guess, and I'm happy, but I don't look fit at all. Those fucking that wolf pack I own makes me eat more. I just want to fucking eat them. Maybe they'll die. Fucking vacuum constantly. It's a fucking horrible existence. I just. To our lighter fare. 
before we get into it, I wanted to apologize. I heard some playback, and I, I, I got some more soundproofing in here, including a, of all things, a camo net over the top, and it's improved the pickup on the mic. And I, I guess you know, I dip. You can hear that occasionally, but the Gatorade drinking today is really loud. And I apologize. I, I, my wife's coming on a diet. I lost about twelve pounds, and you know. Part of it was to add protein powder and vitamin packs and these goddamn smoothies that taste really good, but it just fucked my stomach up like something fierce. So I read an article on one of those fitness blogs and drinking afterwards a big deal. So I've been trying to pound a zero calorie Gatorade after I drink these stupid smoothies to try to digest them because they have just been fucking me up. I mean, it could be because I'm old and I'm not eating a lot. So that's a, you know, that's a major portion of my day is a fucking smoothie. Um, but anyway, that doesn't really make it any better. And I apologize. I'll stop opening lids and doing all the bullshit I'm doing. So I, I've been fishing like crazy. Uh, I'm going to try to get a lighter fare for the next podcast out fishing. Um, sight sounds say something on the boat. I don't know. It was just an idea because I was <clears throat> rolling down the Cumberland at about, I think about 35 miles an hour. That's about as good as my boat, boat's going to go. It's not a, it's a little boat, little uh, 16 foot tracker panfish, And it's only got like a 30 horsepower engine. So it doesn't really haul ass. I think the max out is 30 with perfect conditions. And yesterday was that way. And so I was videoing and I thought, man, that'd be fucking kind of cool. Do something while I'm on the boat. Maybe not as cool as it sounds in my head to people that would listen to it on a podcast. But um, long story short, because of all the fishing, my bro, Matt in Oregon, sent me one of the funniest fucking things ever. Now, I- I'm playing it as a lighter fare. It is political because these fucking people are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. It's got to be a left coast thing. But this guy... Um, I'll make sure I got his name right. Adam Calhoun. I'd seen his videos before, but my little bro hooked me up. Now I've, I've subscribed to him on YouTube, so I'll see more of him. But um, this shit, man, I almost pissed myself laughing. That's ah, funny. Enjoy. Uh, I guess I should tell you the title. It's called, What Happened to the Fish? This is why America cannot have nice things. Because of special people like this. Did you know that fish feel pain? When you hook them in their mouth, oh, it, it really hurts them. This poor fucking kid. Somebody get him some fish sticks, like, right now. You guys just going to let this fish die like this? No, sir. We're going to take him home, fry him up, and eat him like normal people. Because we don't eat grass. Because this is America, you fucking asshole. What if this was a dog, and I hooked the dog through the mouth and threw her in the water? What if it was a unicorn? What if grandma had a dick, she'd be grandpa? What if the fish was a Republican? Would you save it then? What if this was a human child? <laughs> What if this fish was a lesbian dude? I bet you wouldn't throw it back then. We're talking about a fish. It's not even, it's not even like a good fish. It's a tilapia. It's like lower end fish. They have the same ability and same emotions as a human child. That's facts from science, sir. It's science. I Googled it on my interweb. Saw it on Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg said. <laughs> no reason for you to harass I'm not harassing you. You're harassing this fish right here. No. This fish, you're harassing. That poor fish is just laying there like. This is so awkward. This little child right here understands that his dad has a huge vagina. I'm pretty sure we're all on the same page. What did God say? What was the first thing God said? He's bringing up God. I'm pretty sure 
God turned like one fish into like 5,000 fish tacos and everybody ate and drank and got all drunk and fucked up and it was lit. To eat. This is horrible. The fish is still flopping like, just fucking eat me already. No, he's not. Don't hey, step on hey, that fish. I will call the police. Call the yeah. police. I just saved the fish life. How about that? <laughs> he just launched that fish. Like, that fish died by impact, I swear to God. Fishing is wrong. Killing animals is wrong. I'm wrong for telling kids that. No, fuckhead. You're wrong for being a misinformed asshole. Those two gentlemen that are fishing have every right to fish there. Now, those men caught that fish. When they caught that fish and put it on shore, it becomes their property. You just took their property and threw it. All because your feelings and your emotions don't go along with the actual laws and rules that are in place. I would have threw your kid in the fucking lake. What if your kid was a fish? I was just trying to save his life. He needed to be in the lake. Animal liberation now! Animal liberation now! Those poor kids right there. They don't have a chance. And you know why? Because you're their parents. And they're going to listen to what you say. That's all they know. I love you, America. And it's so sad that we let pieces of shit like this breed children that grow up to be big pieces of shit. That is some funny-ass shit. So thank you, Matt in Oregon. Bro, you hooked me up. It's a good one. Seattle erupts over plan to tear down iconic theater for apartments. And why? Because Pearl Jam played there. Huh. I'd be pretty pissed too. Gigi, my better half, she she loved um Pearl Jam. I was a Nirvana guy and Soundgarden was my major band, but I could get it. Apocalypse by twenty forty, shock as MIT computer model predicts end date for civilization. They're saying start in twenty twenty, we'll start seeing it. And because of po- pollution and overpopulation It'll be a global collapse before we're all dead. I don't think so. Dan has promised inside the Hunger Games of porn. This is real. I don't know why it's real, but it's real. A reality series where adult stars compete for crypto cash. I thought that crypto cash or Bitcoin shit went to hell, but they're porn stars. Like, they care. In anticipation... Of the first annual Pornhub Awards, the Internet's giant rolled out a competitive reality series where six stars compete for the championship title and prize money. Pornhub, the adult video platform, is the indisputable Internet titan, ranked seventh on a list of America's most visited websites and averages some 81 million people fapping to porn. And that was their 2017 year interview. The gargantuan porn marketplace fancies itself as a frontier of digital innovation and not without good reason. Two years ago, they partnered with a company called Badoink. <laughs> That's original. And became one of the first adult websites to offer virtual reality category. Later that year, they introduced another category called Describe Video, which made their content accessible to the visually impaired. And I guess they say, and now she's touching her boobs? I don't know. They did trick picks, launched an AI geared toward identifying performers, began offering a free VPN, and announced a partnership with The Verge, the anonymous cryptocurrency. In the website's latest ploy for online conquest, they're rolling out the first ever Pornhub Awards on September 6th, an award show aimed to challenge the longstanding AVN Award for the title of the Oscars of Porn. Unlike the AVN, whose winners are chosen by a panel of industry experts who watch porn. 
Well, in my teenage years, I was a fucking expert. Pornhub selection process would be like their business as a whole, internet-oriented, using a combination of likes, comments, and views, determine who takes home the trophies. And in order to promote their fledgling award show, Pornhub launched an Olympic-style reality series that has managed to bundle most of the digital innovation in extremely, uh, an extremely online package. The Pornhub Games follow six female performers over the course of many episodes as they spar in categories starting with pole dancing and escalating into more mature content. Adult industry journalist Kelly Robinson of the show strove to find a diverse range of candidates and skill sets. The contestants are all white, but they range in age, including both a MILF and a rookie. Like so many combative series in each round, the players battle for advantage that will give them a head start in the subsequent episode. The pilot aired on August 2nd, but no contestants have been eliminated, and they won't be. All six performers will stay in the game until the end. The Pornum Games Championship will be crowned and awarded a show in September once millions of viewers have chosen their favorites. In order to watch the episodes when they air, viewers must create an avatar on a brand new virtual reality ecosystem called Oasis. Oasis, which describes itself as a digital paradise, opened its virtual doors the day doors the, the day the Pornhub Games premiered. Ultimately, the platform designers hope it can become a place where your users can live the live the company motto "Be yourself" through their animated sim-like avatars. For now, the ecosystem is more or less an online island where users visit beaches, bars, clubs, and on Thursdays at 5.30 p.m. PST, a virtual cinema to watch a screening of the Pornhub Games with live commentary from its contestants, all from the comfort of your own VR goggles. Wow. That's a lot of shit for porn. The Internet's all porn. Let's just be honest. The Internet's all porn. It's just porn. Everywhere you go, it's porn. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but goddamn. Now you got fucking reality series for porn. We got reality series for sports with hard knocks and the other one on Amazon. Anyway. Then our last thing, which should have been our first thing, but it got dropped. Atlanta Neighborhood Charter School says they're dropping the Pledge of Allegiance in favor of a teacher and student ridder written the wolf pack chat yeah elementary campus president laura zelsky said school officials made the decision to eliminate the morning tradition based on events in the last few years where more and more students and staff have chosen not to recite or stand during the pledge there are many emotions around this and we want everyone in our school family to start their day in a positive manner after all that is the whole purpose of our morning meeting the Wolfpack chant will be a new pledge created by the students and teachers. Zelensky said the pledge, most likely named after the school's wolf mascot, will focus on students' civic responsibility to the school, family, community, country, and our global society. Joel Thomas, you don't get to force religious pledge on other people. Patriotic Americans should appreciate liberty. I'd find another school for my children. That's what he said. It was the most confusing tweet. That's what I grabbed. A lot of people went fucking crazy. And, of course, they rescinded it. You know, my point on this is, if you're raising kids that a pledge of allegiance to the country is something you should fight against because everybody's racist, sexist, xenophobic, and white, I guess is the problem. I don't see you bitching when you're spending your fucking Benjamins, and in my case, because I spend too much damn money, my George Washington's fucking Abraham Lincoln's. I don't see you bitching about it. 
I just think it's just such trivial shit. Don't say under God if it's such a fucking bummer for you. But I think the reason why I cover it is because only this shit only comes out when there's a Republican president. When Obama was president, nobody had a problem with anything. There was no riots in the streets. There was no fucking protest other than Black Lives Matter, which he fucking created. Nobody cared about what Islam was doing in the Middle East. Nobody cared what we're doing with Iran. Nobody cared about immigrants in cages. Nobody gave a fuck. Then you get a Republican president. It's just not Trump. It's a Republican president. And we have all this fucking rancor over the most mundane things. Yes. I love America. It's pretty fucked up, but I love it. It's fucked up right now. It's pretty fucked up. It's pretty fractured. So I don't have a problem with doing a Pledge of Allegiance. I think I'm pretty lucky to live here. And yeah, I believe in God. But a majority of people believe in somebody. You could say Allah. You could say whatever the fuck you want to say during that. Nobody says you have to say God. But if you can't stand for a second, you're that petty that a Pledge of Allegiance breaks you down. Or in this case, you're that ideological that you want to do a different pledge, which is more PC and social justice warriors. Somewhere in that pledge, it probably said, I will disdain all my whiteness and give all my money and slave reparation to African Americans. I mean, sweet Jesus, they're kids. They ain't do anything to slaves. They didn't vote for Trump. They're not conservative. They're not liberal. They're just fucking kids. I just don't understand. You know, once again, if you hate America, why don't you hate it all the time? See, you thought I was going to say go away. Yeah, you can do that too. But the point is, if you really hate it, it should be all the time. If Antifa really was against fascism, he should have gone fucking batshit crazy when Obama bought out all this shit and spent billions and trillions of dollars on free phones for fucking people. That's pretty fucked up. You want no government. If you really don't like immigration policies, well, Obama was the most important motherfucker ever. That's what the media said. But I didn't see you burning down shit. I just, I find it all to be intellectually dishonest. And that is the problem across the board. If you're going to stand for principle, if you're going to stand up for your beliefs, God damn it, that's awesome. Good for you. But you don't do it when it's the party you don't like in power. You don't do it to get fucking Twitter likes. You stand up because you believe it. I'd rather fucking, you know, I respect tenfold a person who quietly stands by their convictions then highlights it. It's no different than when I buy dinner for somebody because they're downtrodden or donate things or... We've given money to people on the side of the road that are homeless. I don't tweet about it. I don't let them know I bought their dinner. I just do it. Yesterday, there was a Latino lady could barely speak English. She came to get a bunch of Capri Suns and some Go-Gurts for her kids' lunches. The sale was up. She didn't have the money. So I bought the shit. I walked up to her goddamn car and I handed it to her and I walked away. She tried to thank me. I just walked away. Granted, I just talked about it on a podcast. But the point is, I didn't make a scene about it. 
I just did it. Felt bad for her. She had kids. And I know that sale was a big deal. I mean, we used to do the same thing. Those big fucking grab bags of fucking snacks and little Debbie's for Zach and his lunch. We waited for sales and we went and bought it. And we didn't have the sale. We couldn't have bought it. Not enough to be able to do the lunches for two or three weeks. Um, but I, I just find it all disingenuous. Just fucking be, be consistent. God damn. If not, it just looks like it is. Childish bullshit because your candidate didn't get elected or in vogue. I want to be like all the cool kids and do shit just because everybody else is doing it. I mean, stand up. And that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with family and friends. Send comments about the track or suggested for segments to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOPpodcastgmail.com. You get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Make sure you check out the Flyover Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. FOP podcast.com see links to feeds of the show link to our facebook page and email us there you see a link to every episode on the episode release page and no blogs because i never fucking blog because i fucking suck so i'm shooting for a sunday podcast like i was doing this week the 19th i will do it on the 19th uh of august year of my a year of our lord 2018 couldn't this weekend because we turned it into a boring day watching tv and I kind of enjoyed eating my fat-free kettle corn popcorn and watching really low-budget horror flicks. I hope you all have a good week. Stay cool out there. It's going to be hot as balls by the end of the week. I'm going to head out fishing again Wednesday, so I'll try to get a little soundbite or something, maybe get something from the lake, a little moment of zen of birds cawing and fish flapping and Japanese carp scaring the fuck out of me as they jump over my goddamn boat. Remember to disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah-yeahs. And as always, thank you all for listening and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Remember to check out our website at foppodcast.com. And remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count. Yeah.